are live. Thank you, everybody. I hope everyone is excited. We have Gaines here. We have Liddy Blo Bro Flacco joining me today. My name is Holden Stefan Roy. Welcome to Bridge the Cap. And as we have discussed, we like to start this off with uh, Liddy Bro Flacco walking through the origin of how this all came to be. So mm. why don't you take that away, Mr. Flacco? Facts, facts. I'm gonna I'm gonna take it away from you because you're tripping all over yourself today. I don't know what's going on. It's all right. We'll I did it last week too. It was the same thing with your name. <laughs> we'll figure it out. <laughs> I'm Liddy Bro Flacco. That's my co-host there, Holden Stefan Roy. Um, our guest today is Mr. Gaines. Well, Gaines. Excuse me. Correction. Gaines. Um, a good friend of mine. Gaines. Hey, Gaines, baby. This, the way that this started, right, was um. You know, I was putting out a project and I was just doing my usual stuff. The engineer that like mixed down the project, he's from Montreal, right? And um, he's so not like he never really promotes like people who he works with and whatnot, but he just so happened to promote my stuff. And Holden came across it and Holden does album reviews. And so he did an album review and then we talked about doing an interview and we did an interview. And that interview was fucking fantastic. It was maybe the. Uh, we lost him for a second there. Yeah, I did. Um, quick, we lost him. <laughs> we lost him. Um, but I'll keep the story going for the people who, you know, right? Like, keep it running. So um, the, the interview was so good. The interview was so good that I said to myself, I was like, you know what? Um, I got to bring my other homies to this band's platform and have them interview with him. Because, like, all these years... I've been doing interviews, and it's just so many generic hip-hop questions, right? Like, for me, because of doing battle rap for a few years, few years there with Grind Time, it's like generic uh, hip-hop questions mixed with generic battle rap questions, right? And it's just, like, the worst. And so, like, after sitting down with Holden, it was like, yo, I hadn't felt that feeling of, like, yo, this it was so gratifying to tell my life story before hip-hop. You know what I mean? before uh before meeting you even right um and you met me when you know i was pretty you know we were we, we were young pups back then so like uh did that and i was just like i came to hold and i was like yo we should like do an interview series together you know i'll bring some people to you and we'll sit together and you interview them you do that special thing that you do and it's been a fantastic series yo and i'm really looking forward to this because we met at a particular time in my life that like a lot of people don't know me from. And so I'm looking forward to getting to know everything about you that I didn't get to know back then. And then catching back up to when we met and then hearing the rest of the journey since then. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's honestly a pleasure to have you here. Um, so typically the show's called Bridge the Gap because we like to take as we call super smart people such as yourself and walk through your life a lot and uh, kind of delve into the story of how you got to be the person that you are today. And with that, I have a bit of a, a typical first question I like to start with to get the ball rolling a little bit. 
so my girlfriend's washing the dishes she's bumping this black eyed peas song i'm thinking about how music's kind of shifting through time right uh, how all of the different club songs of today and whatnot these things in like 10 15 years they're gonna be like dishes music they're gonna be like gym music so people are gonna have like little kids that are gonna be running around while the cardi b songs are playing in the kitchen and that's just the future of things like it's it's not like an uncertainty it's how music works with us with the vibes so that got me thinking about like our own musical journeys and stuff and a lot of times when people discuss musical journeys they focus on like when we start getting into it or when we start getting interested in it which often takes place at places you know the more puberty-esque areas when we start getting our own identities in life but i know that that's not necessarily the beginning of anyone's musical journey because the beginning of it is really all the sounds that existed in the environments where you were raised when you were like super duper young like four or five years old so effectively for myself when i'm like four or five you know my dad's got all these tapes playing with all this led zeppelins and there's different techno musics on the radio at night and my mom's playing her discos and all kinds of different stuff is going on but this kind of serves as like this foundational element to all of the different stuff that would evolve into my life as far as my interest in music went so i was wondering if you could walk us through a little bit the soundscape of your existence when you were like five years old when you were super young like what did it sound like to be gains at that age um i grew up in a different era i grew up uh, you know like pre like right during the cracker right when when bass before like bass going into cracker that's when i remember when i was born and then being a five-year-old my mom's always had music playing so she would always she had records i wish that i kept those records i wish that i had the foresight to want to keep those records right now i have about close to 1400 1500 records and i had more i had about another thousand in storage and i lost it because i didn't know how to take care of my bills at the time but i've always had music in my life when i, I started playing music at five when i was in like you know public school they had a musical program and i and I, I think that's very important i started there it was you know where most kids start out with just a recorder they're just public you know school? you know Public school. I started there and, and from there, but I always had music around me at five. My mom's had, you know, because I kind of started school early because I was a little younger than people, but my mom made sure I got into school. So what but kind of music was she playing? My mom was playing all of the, like, you know, all of the soul stuff, all of the, you know, the Diana Ross's, the, you know, like the, even like when hip hop was starting, because the way I got hit to hip hop was I was, uh, my, 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 I remember astutely how my family would play music and, they would make me break dance and I had to learn how to break dance and I had to learn how to windmill and learn how to pop lock and all that other stuff. So for real, that, that's where it started. Well, dancing is, you know, it's part of who, who I, either the identity of and, and enable, you can't dance, you get ostracized. So they made sure I was on point and it's like, that's uh -huh. the barbecue. The uncle's like, yo, do that two step. We see that two step you got. Uh -huh. like, oh, that ain't a two step. That's not no two steps, homie. You got to do a better two-step than that. So then, you know, we'd get together and then, you know, they they showed me how to do everything. And then I had cousins who would pop like and they was doing something different than what my parents was doing or my parent was doing and the people that were that she was hanging around with because they were still doing disco dances. And here comes this next wave of people coming who were young that looked like me and they were closer to my age. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. So, like, when I, when I saw that and I heard all the music, it, it just, it had me, I always was boggled by the sounds, like the, the, just the little noises that they would have. Like, you know, if you listen to a Michael Jackson song, it'd be a, a random song, a random note. And that note would take you into a whole nother dimension. So that's how I would move 
and listen, and that's how I got exposed to music, like by listening to what my mom's and the people that she had around her would play. I think it's so cool how like aware and involved into the culture you were from such a young age and nobody has really talked about being like told you got to dance or else maybe it's come up like once but I don't really remember that before. Nah, it, it, and many and many black families it's like if you didn't like, you had to perfect your two step you had to be able to dance and you had to be able to do well, not even be able to dance. They just wanted to make sure you had rhythm. They'd be like, "That's something wrong with that boy. He ain't got no rhythm. It'd be shit like that." You know what I, mean? I was gonna say. I was gonna say it's it's, it's more a common occurrence. I think that you 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 might be forgetting holding like everybody who mentioned dancing, like ever like breeze ever flowing when he came on here talking about dancing for the family. It's that same type of thing. Mm. Literally every time, you know, so if I your just family didn't necessarily dance, realize what it was that was being said. Yeah. It, okay. It's, okay. It's okay. Knowledge nugget dance. shit. It's, it's it's to see if you can dance. You know, it's to it's to see where you're at with it. It's super like common, and especially back then, I was gonna say games. You could you could testify, right? Like I think that it's just like essentially that Eddie Murphy skit. It got done because that was the temperature of our environments and our culture here in america at the time right like, it was real life it yeah, still happens. Real life. I, I put my son in, i put my son and my daughter like yo let me see let me see your two-step like and if your two-step is over we're gonna work on it we're gonna work on it all day we're gonna mm -hmm. work on it until you got it together so at least you know you perfected your two-step and then we work on the three-step and then the four-step and then we you know cha-cha-cha and then we see we show you how to you know whatever it is you won't learn it but we're gonna we're gonna do it together and it's okay to, and that's where you learn not to be embarrassed amongst people. And then after a while, you learn not to be embarrassed in front of anybody. And then you get the, you, you get the heart to jump on stage and don't give a fuck about what anybody thinks, you know? Yeah. Big facts. Yeah, that's an incredible answer. Like, honestly, right off the jump, you're making this very exciting. Um, what about drawing? Were you interested in that when you were in that super young phase of life? And it's a what? Drawing or the graffitis or anything in that world? I, I you know, so I, I, I didn't realize what hit, I didn't realize that when I look at it now, when I look back at it, I, my culture is hip hop. Mm. Like that, that's my culture. Like my mom's culture might be, you know, real R and B and like you know a little bit of disco. Like she was, she was that was a heart of her time. But for me, when I look back at it, hip hop is my culture. I saw the drawings. I, I I would walk through the neighborhood and see graffiti on the wall, and I wanted to write on the wall and write my name. And I didn't know that you couldn't put your real name. And I would write, you know, my real name. And 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 people like, yo, dude, you can't do that. You gotta have a tag. I mean, like, I didn't have a tag, so I came up with different tags. And as we got older, my tags evolved into, you know, me becoming comfortable with me actually writing K games and not and not feeling embarrassed about doing that and being comfortable. I, my first name is almost like Rumpelstiltskin. If you know me, you know it. If you don't know me, you can't call me by that. If you call me by that and you call me on the phone and I don't recognize your voice, I'm going to hang up on you because I feel like you're going to be part of the feds or some shit. So uh, that's how I move. But everything from the DJing, the breakdancing, to the, to, the, to the beats, to the rapping, to the graffiti, like that was what I lived. Like when I, when I came out, I wanted to be fly like that. I didn't have the money to be fly, but... I knew how to put my, my pants behind my the tongue of my sneakers. I knew that, you know, if I didn't have lead pants, I still tried to make it look like I had lead pants. Like, you know, I was, you know, I, that was part of the culture. So I was, I was aware of the graffiti part because I would come out all day and everywhere I went, it would be there similar to how now there's a lot of graffiti everywhere. It's like, like this time I know that there's a problem in, in New York city because 
they were adamant about making sure that graffiti didn't take over the neighborhood. But now if you look around, you drive through Manhattan, you drive through parts of Brooklyn, all the stores that are closed, all you see is graffiti right now. And I feel I feel like uh, like you know another round of energy just came back around. I feel like I'm re- reinvigorated for hip hop, and it's beautiful. But yeah. to a lot of people, it's ugly. But to me, it's art. When I look at it, I, I I recognize names. I'm seeing dudes who used to tag, like in a, in a, the, the the late '90s, going into the early 2000s. I'm starting to see their, them coming back out and just throwing up pieces here and there, and it and it blows my mind. Like, and I'm like, okay. I remember seeing this guy. I remember seeing certain people who I thought passed away because I wasn't like really into the graffiti world, but I recognized the names because I would always drive by and look at the or walk by or wherever I was going and I would see their style and I would try to emulate their style and then that would help me with my my G's and help me with my A's and I's and then I would try to find my own style and it, it was just, you know, those are just things that I saw that like to, to me, when you look back at it, it was part of my culture and it helped shape me as a person. But when I was young, I didn't realize it, but I was learning from it. I, I was studying it without even knowing I was studying it, you know? I definitely know what you mean by that. And I'm really glad you shared that. That was really interesting, especially how you tied it into the now and that resurgence. I've heard a couple of people mention the resurgence. Uh, Flat yeah, I've been saying it. Um, yeah, I've been saying and, it heavy, bro. That's why we, as soon as you said it, I'm like, I smile because I'm like, yeah, yo, it, it really does. Like everybody says it, right? Like when, um, when last year, when all the protests were happening again, right? And the cops do the same thing that they do again. And this time they're like, oh, well, maybe we just won't be police officers. And it's like, uh, okay, cool. Good. <laughs> like, we'll, fi- good. we'll figure it out. We will we'll figure, figure it out. out. We'll be okay. We will still like survive and like i seen it like the city has been fine yes there's still gonna be your your random murders and whatnot but that happens anywhere and everywhere and it doesn't really have anything to do with the lack of them being on the streets or their vigilance over us you know it's been really reinvigorating like you said to the city and it's beautiful seeing like less of the um transplants and more of the natives here Yo, this you know the funny part? Like, I was just having a conversation with a, a friend, and there's a lot of people who they really will believe that they're New Yorkers because they were here for like five or ten years. But as soon as shit hit the fan, I don't know if we're allowed to curse, but that's you gonna can happen. Cuss yeah, whatever. Good. For the most part. So, like, as, soon as, as, as soon as shit hit the fan, they, they, they skedaddled out of here. And it's like, oh, yep. I'm in Buffalo. I'm in, I'm in, you know, Baltimore. I'm in like different yep. places. And it's like, okay, cool. And now that things is lightening up back, they want to come back and be like, yo, I'm back. Like, you know, like I never left. I went on a vacation. Like, nah, you abandoned the city. And you abandoned it. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to hold it down. Yeah, and, you abandoned and it. You were afraid. Yeah. You were afraid, and you were afraid of us. That's the way I look at it. And then you want to come back and act like you know everything is cool. And, and I understand it. You, you came to a place and you, you know you felt it was cool because you watched MTV unplugged. Not, not even MTV, but like what was the thing they had at Times Square? The MTV TRL. Uh, TRL. So like the TRL situation, like they had the whole TRL thing out there, and, and that made people want to come out here. They had you know Sex in the City, and they had all these little gentrifying type of television shows that made people want to come out here. But as soon as it got rough. They were a lot of them left, and then on top of that, we're not even going done through that. People are still hurting, so you know the wolves are going to come out. So now, now you're going to see what real New York is about, and then now mm-hmm. they have different narratives going on. So 
we, you know, you take it one day at a time. This is the life that we live. Like I said, I came up during the the, the bass and crack era. This mm-hmm. doesn't even phase me. This you're is, like you're gonna easy work. You're like you're gonna be okay. You know, like I already this put up with worse. So if I made it through that as a child with no actual understanding of how the world works, I'm pretty sure that we're gonna be perfectly fine right now. Exactly. I mean, we're gonna. I think. We, I, I mean, I got. I got. I got energy that says that we're going to be good. I know that we're going to be all right. I know it's going to be cool. But to see people, how, how they come in and then, you know, shit gets hard, they flee. It's like, you know, you say you want to live in a wilderness. <clears throat> and you go out there in the wilderness and then it starts raining. You're like, oh, no, no, no. I want to go into the house right now. Once it stops raining, I'm going to come back outside and then I'm going to go back in the wilderness. Nah, the wilderness is the rain. The wilderness is mm-hmm. the crime that happens. The wilderness is knowing how to carry yourself in a thing. And I have to teach my, my the people that come under me, my little brothers and sisters, my, my, my little, my sons and my daughters, and the, the people that look up to me, I have to give them some information. That's what I try to portray in my music on how to be a better human being and navigate through this world with all the nonsense that we got going on, you know? Mm. Amen. No, that's a super fresh answer. And yeah, I like the way that you, you tie things together. You have a really interesting mind for real. Um, so basically you started young so you're already getting involved in stuff but you you brought it back to the recorder and nobody's brought up the recorder because i, I, I would have remembered like i knew what the recorder is i did that in public school too so i learned to play all that <laughs> shit I, we actually learned to play that like celine dion titanic song one time in grade six and just like all anyway what do you say Santanic? what do you say Santanic? Uh, what do you say no 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 the um celine dion the titanic song okay uh, they say satanic. I was like, I'm out of this, man. I'm not doing this. I'm done with this, yo. I'm, I'm finished, yo. Nah. <laughs> he said Titanic. Okay, Celine Dion, she's Canadian, so I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Um, but, um, yeah, no, so that was interesting. So you started with the recorder, and you were in a musical program in school, and you basically started your journey there is what I understood. Yeah, so you do. You start off with the recorder, and, and a kid to show some sort of discipline where they are able to play whatever basics that they provide for you to play. They get to go to the next level where now they start these little bands where you can learn how to play flutes, saxophone, you know, trumpet, trombone, tubas, and you have to have the right aperture. And they also it kind of depended because my mom's. I don't know how she did it, but she set me up in a school that was like one of the top schools in Brooklyn at the time. And by having that, it gave me more options. If it was a regular school, I probably wouldn't have been as involved in it. And the recorder was the first thing we did. And I think all students, they started with that. They, they, they watch how the kids play with it. They see if they are, they are actually interested in doing it. Cause you, you don't want to force a kid to do something they don't want to do. And I was, I, I was like very interested in doing music. So when I did that, you graduate to the next level where you get to learn to play a certain instrument. You can ask that you want to play the trumpet, but if you don't have the aperture to do it, you can't do it. Saxophone, flute, all that other stuff. So, And plus, I was a hyper kid, so I wound up getting a drum, and I happened to have a little bit of rhythm. So the drums, is always I was always playing it, and I was always having to keep the rhythm for the rest. And if I was off, I, I caught hell from my music teacher, his name was Mr. Round. And uh, he was a cool dude. Like when you would walk into class for each person, he would play music as you walk in. So you play like peanuts for somebody, you play Smurfs for the next person. And you want to walk dope. in and you, you, you would walk in and you feel like, you know, yo, I got my own little theme 
song. So it's like having a band behind you. And that's really dope. Yeah, that, like, and, and kids don't really get that anymore. That's no, they don't. Not in no public school in New York City, they don't. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, not. I mean, but the thing is being part of that program, and you, you're saying, like, with me, like, they, that they had you playing that. Like, we wasn't even playing things like that. That sounds like a complex song, anything Celine Dion is involved with. No, nah, it was I pretty was playing basic. Mary had a, oh, I was playing Mary Had a Little Lamb, and, you know, uh, you know, some other stuff that was, you know, that little kids would play, like Ring Around a Rosie or something like that. And it was just to figure out if you knew how to play the fingering, if you was, you know, you had breath control, if you could breathe. And so I've always been interested in it. And because I was listening to so much music, I would come in and I, I always had that little bop and I had the energy. And I guess that's probably why he put me in percussion. What up, Dama? Yeah, that's fresh though. Honestly, um, we just had that. We didn't have all the other instruments. I think we had xylophones, but we had that and like very little, so we just played that year over year over year over year. Real so. quick though, Holden, notice, notice these are these are little subtle nuances, right? Of like talking to a New Yorker, you were asking me earlier where specifically Gaines is from, and I like let you know like he's from Brooklyn. You can now you the verification is right there. It's not just the like. You know, Dama's, you know, oh, you know, random popular person gains a random popular person in New York City's underground. No, 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 no. It has to do with that a little bit, but it's also a Brooklyn thing. <laughs> like, it's a Brooklyn thing. They're Brooklyn people, you know? So Brooklyn people kind of like, you know, like, it's the same way that, like, I'll know random Bronx people. And people, like, people were asking me if I knew Mickey Facts. And I'm like, ironically, out of all the Bronx people that I do know, I don't know Mickey Facts from the Bronx. I know Mickey Facts from the internet. And we've just gotten cool through the internet, right? But like Brooklyn people, that's a very that's a very Brooklyn thing that just happened right there. I had no clue that Gaines and Dama knew each other at all. I had no idea. Yo, Dama's family, yo, she stole my DJ, yo. One time I we was in South by Southwest. I was doing a huge ass show. And I, I was like, yo, where my DJ at? Dama's like, yo, he working for me right now. I was like, yo, what's going on here, yo? <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> That's the family right there. She's 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 so The diamond's wonderful, for real. Mad love, bro. Mad love. I, I'll give it back to you. <laughs> um. Okay. Did you so, just pull a matrix and just take over? <laughs> a little bit. That's alright. Uh, this is fun. I'm enjoying this a lot. It's really cool to like just learn that like i had to process like i don't know how to identify this this thing that just happened but i know a thing happened and i don't know what i'm supposed to be looking for in the future to identify anyone from any borough yeah no it's, it's hard they, you, you'd, you'd have to spend your entire lifetime in new york city and then there'll still be things that'll happen amongst new yorkers that you're like wait what's happening right now why am yeah. i in the in the dark it happens to me and i'm a new yorker born and raised my whole life and there's still you go you go certain places, you're around the neighborhood that you are never around. They're going to have slang, lingo, um, uh, uh, even your mannerisms is just different. It's like if you said, what, Montreal? Uh, yeah. I, I, don't, I can't say it the way you just told us to say it, but it's like in certain places they might say, hey, uh, or yeah, or oi. Like depending on what part it is, you as a person who was a native there, you'll recognize it easily. And that's just how, you know, Dom has been part of, like, not even part of it. Like Dom has been an integral part of this whole EO Dub thing and everything that we've been doing for like so long. That mm. like she, when if you if you were a part of that community, if you were a part of that era, not knowing her, 
would tell people that you don't really know a lot about EOW, like that, that the, the, things like that. You know what I mean? Like when we talk in Dutch, uh, I don't know. Do you go by Dutch on here? Like, how, how do you talk? How do people know you? Like, what do they? I, it's okay. That every uh, you know, I don't. I don't even like. There's some people that refuse. Some of the homies, my best friend, my homies know me since I'm like 17. He's like. Your mama named you Dutch. I'm gonna call you Dutch. I'm like, you know, goddamn well, my mama did not name me Dutch. What are you talking about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, I, but I know you from those days. You know what I mean? So yeah, like, exactly. When you, when you have that history and you can see, like, you, you know where you're from. Like, it's not something. Like, I wouldn't notice it. Like, let's suppose you were talking, holding amongst your peoples. There's a lot of people who wouldn't know that you guys can tell where you're from. Like, like you could tell somebody's from five blocks away to 10 blocks away just by somebody's slang that they use. You know what I mean? So I was so, never, like, so. cognizant of this phenomenon, and I never looked for it or even was aware that it existed until it was pointed out to me. And so now I'm trying to, like, figure it out in my city because it's not something I put a lot of thought into how it's broken down. I know that there's, like, certain high schools and regions that did have some slangs and whatnot that happened, but... I just think it's interesting because I don't know uh, something that I find uh, Montreal is different a little bit than New York is how we have like our downtown area and everything is central around that. So people do live in places, but you don't stay in your neighborhood like people just go everywhere and intermingle in a big way. So there's a lot less like neighborhood slang because people just don't at least nowadays aren't like so centralized like that so i'm not really privy to it but i know a whole bunch of other people that would know exactly what you're talking about from different walks of life and be very aware and definitely co-sign what you're saying i'm not aware of it though so to me it's like okay, a fascinating okay, yeah, yeah. like phenomenon right and it's yep. uh it's just interesting to learn about it all i just wasn't know anyway but um so you were like in music class learning drums if i was not mistaken that's what you were saying yeah, so like, you know, once I moved past recorder, I moved on to doing uh, the drums and we would play um, in, in New York City. We had something called Brooklyn College, was, which for a Brooklyn kid from the hood, that was like a prestigious college. And it still is for most people. You, get, you go there, it holds a little weight. And we would do concerts at this school and we would play like, you know, little, the teachers would give those little plays that all the kids do and on stage seeing that like, the spotlight it was just a beautiful thing and that's where i kind of got that bug like being on stage in that rush and and learning to play the drums we play classical music so then you know that's when i started learning about you know the mozarts and the box the box and the, you know uh th there were so many people that we would play that not even that many people that, as a kid we were just learning like and we were playing simple stuff it wasn't like really hard intricate stuff but as i got older i would graduate into you know harder things and start playing more and more percussions because I wasn't playing like full drums. I was playing this, you know, snare or maybe the cymbals or I had the fucking triangle. I was that kid that just had the triangle and just got to go ding. But I made sure that ding was the best ding ever. So as we, you know, we, we graduate and we would go on to, they would have us play. And if we did better, they would put us in a more advanced class and more advanced class. And I always wanted to play the saxophone and I was like heartbroken that I didn't get it. And they gave me the drum. And there was this one kid who had he had a um, saxophone. His name was the Otis. And I was like, yo, this guy has a jazz name. I don't have a jazz name. And I was pissed off about it. And this kid would play the jazz. And, he, and I was like, y'all can play better than him. Why don't you let me play it? And, like, and the teacher was like, you don't have the aperture. But at the time, I really think that 
the kid was closer to the school and his family was a little bit more well off mm-hmm. and they didn't trust the fact that I would have a saxophone and that it wouldn't get stolen and that it all wouldn't get, you know, sold because we was going through this epidemic known as, you know, crack and, and bass or whatever. So I always felt like I lost out on that opportunity. I should probably take sax just to fucking show that fucking bastard he was wrong. Hmm. But yeah, I'm, I, I'm gonna I can I can empathize with the um not allowed to take your instrument. I at one point was playing the violin and mm-hmm. I was only allowed to take my instrument home like per like I think maybe like two times the entire school year for the weekend. You know? Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't yeah. like regularly take it home, practice with it at home, nah. But it was because that was the early, you know, like that era was still, you know, early nineties. It was still, you know, Grimy. Grimy. Mm-hmm. First of all, I mean, we, we should have started this with a beautiful prayer. I, you know, I know I don't mean to interrupt, but I just wanted, we should have started this with a beautiful prayer that, you know, the fact that we're doing this and we're doing this, especially during, you know, through the, the EO dub platform and, and this platform and all this other stuff. Like, I really, and, and I, I like this, the, the, the whole thing with how. I just want to say that I want to say peace and I want to show my, my major because we spoke about Dom a little bit. I want to show that I had a beautiful energy and I constantly be thinking about my dude by his verses. And I just want to send a shout out to him and let him know that I'm always thinking about him and send it to all the people, the people that are here, let it be known that this is our guy. You know what I mean? Like, I, but I, I, I wanted to start that off and I think we, we jumped into it and we had the technical difficulty and I didn't, but Going back to the music, I do believe that it's integral to make sure that we're fucking focused on the people who helped us get to where we are right now. And he's one of those people. And so are you guys for even putting me on this platform. And I thank you. We thank you for coming through. Big shout so easy. And yeah, I never met him, but all I've heard is of how significant in him he is. And it would have been wonderful yeah. to be able to do this with him one day. Yeah. Thanks to him, though. Thanks to him, though. You know, like, we, there wouldn't be, the dub wouldn't exist. You know, uh, I, at this point, I'm willing to venture that the number of, like, artists that have, like, you know, been graced or, or been uh, lucky, privileged enough to grace uh, EO Dub's uh, home is like well into the like hundred thousands, you know, like over 20 years, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And like, it's it, like the amount of people that, that uh, lives have been touched literally directly thanks to Vice's actions along with everyone else who founded EOW, like, yo. And now here we all are continuing that legacy that he wanted us to. So big, big yeah. shout out to Vice versus always shout out to prolific shout out to prolific Zoo. yeah Zoo. Zoo, what up? and nonzio yeah, yeah. wonderful people honestly fantastic um, and but yeah but behind his suit yo all right so how do we get back into this let's get back into this motion let's keep that energy moving 
Are we okay. doing? I got a lot of energy, so let's so, go. So, yo, I'm not, I'm not good at keeping track of this. So, basically, we just pause and pause, and it's all good because I just keep part where we are and we move along with the story and let it all flow the way it's supposed to flow. So, I respect the energy thing. You were basically. Um, talking about how you caught the bug of performing by playing drums and then we jumped onto an important topic like looking at how you couldn't take the instruments home and then a little prejudice related to the violins uh or not the violin Wait. saxophone flacco brought up the violin in your case it was saxophone right. yeah. or and that's about where we left off yeah we, you know what's funny when flacco said that is like we didn't have as i think about it i go back in that memory I didn't have, we didn't have a string section. We just mostly had like brass and so we more like, we're more like of a jazz band. So we didn't have the violins. Mm. So, you know, as, as for Brooklyn, we were like one of the top, the, the school I was at, I think it was PS91. It was PS91. It was like one of the top schools at the time. And I had to take a bus for like, you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes, like a regular school, not a school bus, but a regular bus. And, you know, but it wasn't far from home. It's a walking distance, but it was a long walk and navigating through Flatbush. It was crazy, but not playing a saxophone kind of like made me want to show the teacher that I knew what I was, that I can handle the drums. Cause he was like, he almost didn't want to give it to me. Hmm. And I guess it could have been because I didn't have the discipline at home or the people to make sure that I had the structure at home to make sure I was on point. I don't know. I, when I think about it, I get pissed off about it. But either way, I got the drums, gave me some rhythm, because right, I guess I had the rhythm, so I was able to keep a beat. And by doing that, I was able to keep some rhythm. And by being being, being able to keep the rhythm is how I'm able to keep the rhythm as an MC. And, I would, and, and when we tie it together to who I am is today, behind the suit, those are the moments that made me who I am now. Perfect. Which is kind of like why I like going through people's lives like this, because I think that um, oftentimes these are the parts where we get the best, well, what I call them knowledge nuggets, like the most relatable and interesting experiences, whether it's stuff that you can directly apply to your life or whether it's some shit you can think about if you have kids in the future, because you see the impact of things that impacted youth and whatnot. So with that, it's like really, to me, important to hear about that, like music program, positive influence this shit adds value and inspired you that's like the biggest takeaway from that and as you said at the beginning it's important for all schools to have this and that's why because it can give that sense of inspiration like i'll be real with you i learned to read sheet music in uh, elementary school and i remember that Damn. every good boy deserves fudge thing and then the face for the yeah. things between the lines and then I learned, and I can do it still. I can, I'm bad at it. I'm not fast. It's not like I'm going to go play magically, but if you give me a bass guitar and sheet music, I can pluck individual notes pretty slowly. <laughs> yeah. And if you, you, the same here, like if you put the sheet music in me, it, it'll come back to me. It's like, like these memories are coming back to me. Like I haven't thought about them in a while. I haven't been asked about them in a while. So when, when I think about these moments, I know that if you put it in front of me, give me, six weeks to you know to give me give me anywhere from three to nine months and i'll be able to play fluently again with no problem because my brain is already left right i'll be able to move my hands and do what i gotta do and do what i gotta get done so and but and because i know i can do that that helps me with anything else in life knowing that anything that you put in front of me give me enough time i know i can master it i love that you have that I, I also find myself like that. I was just talking to Holden about that uh, last week because 
I went bowling for the second time in my life. And like the first time was like maybe like 10 years ago. I don't even remember it. But this time I bowled like a hundred and something. And like my friends were like, yo, um, you like, that's really good for your like really your first time essentially bowling and whatnot. I was just like, yeah, I mean, sometimes like it's like that where like um, I'm lucky enough to be good at something like right off the rip. But like, even if I'm not like, I know that I'm going to get good at that thing. All I need is a little bit of time because that's all it is. It's just a matter of like your mindset with it, you know, where like you're not yeah. going to let um, maybe the lack of professionalism at it deter you from having confidence while trying to do it. Mm. I definitely empathize with that as well. Um, I guess I should empathize. Oh, oh good. Um, um, I feel like I'm, gonna, I feel like I'm on, a, on a couch and I should be laying down and like, listen, it all started when I was four years old, man. And then we get through the trauma and then we get to the happiness and then we became the great K-game. Sometimes that's what it happens. Like I said, I don't actually go very hard on the scripting this. I just look into people and we just tend to start when you're young and ask the same first question. And then there's like a good second question. Where the story goes. And then everything else is the artist tells me what we need to talk about for like however long it takes. Did we get to the first question yet? We the first yeah. question is basically about the now and then the second question is basically it actually it lined up perfectly cause hey oh, are we story. done with the first question are we done with the second the first question are we back to the you know, where are we going I'm, I'm following it's just kind of just rolls this is it you this is the show we, we're gonna yeah. just go through your life now and the rest of it's pretty unscripted as far yeah. as questions so wait go. the recorder and all this we're talking the drums all this after what are we talking about junior high school elementary or high school i took this as I'm, elementary i'm, I'm still so, in public right? school i'm yeah, yeah. okay so yeah, this is still elementary, elementary. work which is why the next and, question and, and, and the, sorry uh is related to more about like it's usually around the puberty ages and it is typically when people tend to hear music a little differently it goes from being like something you do in school something that's around you to yo i heard that song and i love that thing and it becomes more something you consume as a person that seeks it out rather than it being a product of your environment that's around you so I was hoping if you could remember that moment. Well, if you do remember that moment, you could share what was the original song that got you to become enthralled with music in a different way or the general sense of songs. Well, so then for that, I have to go back a little bit because um, the, the first song that really got me, my mom used to play like, you know, like I said, my the, the family when we had barbecues and we had like little, you know, outings and, you know, little parties or whatever at the house they would play their records so everybody would bring their records somebody like i got this new this i got this new that if it's luther vandros if it's uh you know uh diana summers like no matter who it was they would play their new joint and i would be enthralled by the sounds that i would hear so i hear the sounds and those blow my mind away i was always like wow what was that sound and i would always look back and like yo could you like i almost wanted to have them play it again and it's i don't know if scratching was at the time but i was like i want to hear it again and 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 they was like, okay, he likes this song. Why does he like this song? And and when I think about it, it was the sound that got to me that made me like the sound, the, um, the song, the singing and all that other stuff. And then seeing everybody get happy when it come on, the energy behind it, the the, the vibe that it would 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 
pause amongst the people. Like they might have been talking crap to each other, or like you know just yelling at each other. And as soon as that song come on, everybody's like, "Yo, yo, not right now. This is this is my song. We're gonna do that." So the first song that really got me that that I lo I loved all, all those songs my mom was playing, but it was more the sound. But the, the the first song when I was I guess in middle school, which is you know uh, junior high school, that really got me was the message. When I, the first time I heard the message. And I might have not even been in junior high school. I think I might have been a little younger than that because it might have been out before that. But I heard the message. And when I heard the message, it was just something about the being that I might have been doing drums at the time or I might have been part of the thing. Just hearing it, the person was rhyming. I was like, okay, cool. That's cool. But the music behind it is crazy. And now, like, okay, there's three different things happening. And that's when I started putting things together. The message was one of the first things that 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 hit me when i heard the message and then after the message i don't think that i paid i paid attention to the music but it, it didn't hit me as much as i did i love the hip hop you know a lot of stuff i heard all of that stuff and it didn't it moved me but it didn't move me but the message is the one that moved me but then as i got to past the you know playing the drums and all that other stuff i think that my mother was on her road to finding her God. And by her finding her God, I wasn't able to listen to certain music. And then one of the, like, she didn't want me to listen to anything that sounded bad. It was talking about different things. I'd already heard White Lines, I think. And then when I heard Young MC, I think that was my first tape. No, not even think. I, I know the first tape that I ever was allowed to buy was I wanted to hit that young MC joint. Like I did something about the, like just the way the music happened. I just had to have that song and I had to have that album. And my mom's bought it and she got it for me and I played it until the tape popped and I had to get another one. And then from then on, I started moving in up and up and I started to escalate in, in a way to find out more about different types of music. So how did so, you- So mind you- Sorry, go ahead. No, oh, go on. Anytime no, you say mind like, you, that's good. Like, being a kid who was listening to, you know, I guess, R&B, like soulful music from back then, listening to the, from Elvis's to, you know, not even Elvis, I want to say, I said that backwards, from Marvin Gaye to the Elvis's to, you know, listening to, you know, the Bee Gees to, uh, you know, Aretha Franklin, Diana Ross, like I said before, Dionne Warwick, like, there were so many different types of genres of music that I was listening to that my mind was already kind of shaped when I stepped into the music class. So that made me feel like, like I'm, I'm talking in retrospect. I don't feel like I'm speaking in yeah. the person that I wasn't at that time. But at that time, I'm looking at it. And as I'm going over it with you guys, I'm seeing that it helps shape me. But that's kind of like totally fine. I feel like most of us understand that, like you're doing your best to be as objective as is possible while remembering decades ago. So uh, yeah. it's totally you know, last week, man. I'm a young cat, man. Don't try to make me understood. Go, understood. Last week, <laughs> but like uh, basically though, the immaculate level, of the detail that you have is pretty stellar, actually. So like, it's so cool to hear you describe it like it's a movie that you're kind of watching in your head and just kind of giving us the details of. Like, it, so it's, it's, it's nifty. To I want to get to what you're like. So once you're you already right, the message happens. Now we got to uh, school, right? Um, you did the recorder, you did the drums, 
I want to get to like that, like right around like junior high school age and like what you're into. Yeah. That's basically what comes next. Dude, junior high, like when I'm in, when I'm in middle school, I was pretty much, like I said, my mom was finding her religion. So I, I, I wasn't able to listen to as much music. So the music that I was getting exposed to was the people that was around me. But mind you, I lived in a, I lived in Flatbush, which is a part of Brooklyn. You might not be aware of that, Holden, but it's I a like part, part of Brooklyn zombies. where, huh? I like the Flatbush zombies. Flatbush zombies. I mean, Flatbush zombies are from that area. So, Flatbush and Brooklyn. Mind you, Brooklyn. I feel like is the heart of New York. Anybody from the Bronx or anybody from Queens would like to differ, but you know that's a different thing. But <laughs> Brooklyn, Brooklyn is a place where <laughs> Brooklyn is a place where like it, there was so many different cultures. So you had. Park Slope, which was predominantly, you know, white at the time. Then you have, uh, you know, Red Hook. Then you have, you know, you have Bed-Stuy, Crown Heights, Flatbush. You have East New York, Brownsville, all these different places. And they had different cultures. So Flatbush was, you know, if you come in Brooklyn, as soon as you come off the bridge, you in Flatbush. The real Flatbush people, the real Brooklyn people to tell you you in Flatbush. Because Flatbush goes from one end of coming from, from the Manhattan Bridge all the way to the other end of Brooklyn, where it goes into Queens. Uh, not even Queens. Yeah, it goes into, like, Queens, almost damn near Long Island. And Brooklyn is like a... a when they say the melting pot, Brooklyn was absolutely the melting pot. You can go to... Uh, what do they call Like, you know... You can go to Sheep's Head Bay, and then and it would be nothing but Italian. So, like, you can go into any neighborhood, and it would be nothing but an ethnic group. You can go into... We like to call it Little China today. Somebody might be upset about it, but who gives a fuck? But you can go in there and you would see different cultures. So, and where I was at, you were around Jamaican, Trinidadian, you was around Barbadians, you was around Guyanese, you was around, you know, Bohemians, you was around Americans Asians. who were born in Bajans, like, you know, like, all, you was around so, so many different people. I said Barbadian, my fault, but um, Bajans, but so many different people around that. I was able to pick up on all of these different cultures. So when I went to middle school, it was more in the heart of where I lived at and where I went to public school, like the, the elementary school was a little bit further. When I get to middle school, I'm in a place where I'm just soaking up different energies. I'm just soaking up, not even soaking up energies. That, that sounds weird, but I, I'm just soaking up different cultures. I'm like, oh, that's that's weird. No, actually, the soaking up energy thing. I didn't even think twice. I'm, like, honestly, I, I personally fucks with your energy perception thing. I believe in the energy things. I believe yes, we emit absolutely. energies. I, I'm heavy on the energy as I get more, style as well. So. Like, cognizant yeah. and knowledgeable of the greater things in life. I feel like you can really detect energies you like and dislike. And you should trust that instinct in yourself, mm -hmm. right? So the poet that yeah. you're saying that you were aware of it. So maybe you weren't aware of it back then. Maybe that's yourself today now going back then. But today and now hearing it, it makes all the sense in the world to me. Yeah, you know, like I would hang with certain people and, and and being around them, I would pick up certain things, like either just mannerisms and just how they handle themselves. And like even to this day, like sometimes people like, you know, where I'm living at now in, in Bed-Stuy and I grew up in Flatbush, when I speak to people, they, they address me as dread. I'm like, you're one. But I did have a lot more hair and all that other shit. They address me as dread and it's because 
I picked up some of the accents hanging with these people. It's just through osmosis that it would happen. And that would happen anyway. You drop, if you drop the, you know, 10 year old kid or five year old kid in the middle of Mexico, he's going to have an accent. So he might still speak English, but he's still going to have a, he's going to learn a lot of different things. If you put him mm-hmm. in Montreal, he's going to have, Hey, what's going on? You know, what guy, you know, better, you know, different things. So he's speak French. I, I do think <laughs> that that was integral. I'll speak French. One of those two, you know, mm-hmm. whatever you want to say. But, um, you know, I was surrounded by people like in middle school, I went to middle school. That, um, they didn't have much of a music program, but they had I had a principal. Her name was Sister Muhammad, and I went to Jackie Robinson. I think it was IS three ninety or three twenty. So I think it was three twenty. Can't remember. And that's where I got my understanding of who I am as a black person in America, as a black man in America. I don't want to even say it like that. That was a black man in America, and. Sister Muhammad, she would walk around with, you know, the garb on and everything, and she made sure that the kids that was in that school, they had the right teachers to teach them the right point of view to understand who they were as a human being in this world that we live in right now, that we're constantly talking, not even constantly, but the one that we're talking about right now. And through that, I was able to... Like to this day, she would make us watch something like um, the Emmett Till story. She would make us watch like movies that about you know the three the the white guy, the black guy, the Jewish guy who died in you know in Mississippi. It's called Mississippi Burning. And as a young kid, it scared the fuck out of me. When I look back at like to this day, like when I watch Mississippi Burning, it just gives me something that makes me want to go out and do something wild to like to, to protect people to make sure that it doesn't happen again. And it, it, she made sure I was conscious and aware of who I am as a person. And at that school, I learned who I am. That's where, like, when I, like, I, I learned how to stand on my own, too. I learned how to fight for myself. And, you know, we used to have, that back in the days in, in middle school was when we had Decepticons. We had TLR, where we had different little games. We had the, you know, the... You know the the, the low lights. We had all these different people, and they were. I was young, still trying to like be down with those cats, but I was still young. I was I was too young, but they were robbing people, and they were you know doing all this other stuff. So I was getting robbed at one point in time in middle school, and that's where I learned to say, you know what, like I ain't never getting robbed again. I'm gonna fight back. And that, and, and I had crazy cousins who was down with that life, and they was like, if you want if you want nobody to bother you, you gotta step your game up. I would step my game up and I would learn how to, you know, do different things. So in middle school, I wasn't really, going back to your question, I really wasn't focused on music. I was trying to survive and not get robbed and get, you know, fucked up. And I was smart. And I was trying not to get, you know, labeled as a a nerd. And I didn't want to get bothered by the the people who was around me. So like, you know, you know, being back then, being a nerd wasn't cool. Back then, being like smart wasn't cool. So you had to teetle-tottle in between either being a thug or being a, either was going to be a thug or you was going to be a nerd. I was able to walk that beautiful in line because I had knowledge of who I was and I had the right people around me. And, you know, even though the people that were supposed to be in my life was a lot of them wasn't there, I still was able to choose the right people to make sure that they were there, you know? That's, that's, um, seven. So we're talking about 17th grade, right? This is seven. Yeah, this is, uh, no, uh, so using public schools would be sixth to seventh or eighth grade, and then you go to high school. 
But my public school, because it was a good school, they kept us an extra year. So I stayed into sixth grade in my school, and then I went. I only did seventh and eighth grade. So you're right. So I only did seventh and eighth grade in um, middle school. And there, like, I learned a lot. Like, the people that was there, like, I don't think that in, um, when I was in public school, I didn't realize it. But in a public school that was supposed to be a good school, most of the people that I had didn't look like me. Most of the teachers that were mine didn't look like me. So they didn't give me any, they didn't give me any self-reflection. They didn't give me any sense uh -huh. of self. So when uh -huh. I went to middle school, the, 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 the sister, or the, the principal, and it was Sister Muhammad, she, she gave me a sense of self. And that's where I, I, I think I cut my teeth. So music wasn't, it wasn't much as involved, but I learned a lot more other skills about knowing who I am as a person. So that's what happened in middle school, but I was always listening to music. So then, so I have a question about that. So firstly, just thank you for sharing this stuff. Personally, this is the dream. This is like the perfect version of this show, how it goes down. People sharing all kinds of stuff that people can listen to and become better people after hearing, bridging gaps, it's amazing. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart, I mean that. But how are you like learning new music? Because if you're, because I grew up in the household where my parents were super religious and nothing with the word fucking in and a bunch of other stuff. And it was all through internet at school was where I learned music. So given that you probably didn't have as easy access through internet, etc., how did you get new music at that time during middle school? Like, like, well, so, so you had you grew up during the internet. It's, it's beautiful. Um, um, I grew up during when you either had to have the physical copy, or you would hang with your friends and they would play music, and you would hear it there, or you know just listening out the window, somebody's playing music, or just somebody's like, "Yo, you heard this new song," and you you still had the radio, so the radio would play. Like and at the time, if you was smart enough, you would stay up later in order to hear the real music that you wanted to hear. So I wasn't, my mom, she, she, she kept a, a tight lid. She was, she was pretty religious because she had found her God at the time. And she, she uh, was very strict about what we listened to. So like, you know, like, I guess they would call it secular music. She was kind of being, hmm. trying to be careful and to guard us and trying to guard us from what she thought was something that was, you know, bad. But to me, it wasn't bad. Like I, I heard it, like right now to this day, there's certain songs that I hear and I don't hear the words. Like most of the time I hear a song and I'm hearing just the the melody. I'm just, I'm hearing just the rhythm. There's certain songs, I'm going through a thread on Instagram right now by this person named Jay Slayer and Jay Slay and she is talking about Mariah Carey and I'm listening to Mariah Carey, Mariah Carey totally different now because I had no idea what she was saying and I just love the melodies, the rhythms the patterns that she was going and how she was waving through certain, you know, you know, melodies. And when I listened to the music, it, um, I was able to listen to music because I had the right people around me, the people that were supposed to be around me. Like I had dudes in the hood. I had dudes that was down in the street. They have their boom boxes downstairs. They'd have their cars blasting. And of course, you know, we'd, we'd ride to go somewhere and my mom would play music. She, you know, inadvertently because she was still trying to be, a good person over here, but she still had music that she was listening to over here. So I was still capturing certain things. I wasn't catching all of the hip hop. It took me a minute. Before, like I said, my first album I ever bought was Young MC. That, that should tell you something. Like I, I used to be embarrassed by it. I'm, I'm okay with that. Some yeah, people like well, my first album I ever bought. Yeah, but some people like my first album was N.W.A. and I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, I caught, yeah like I'd probably have been like 
who knows where I would have been if I would have if NWA would have yeah. been my first. My first, like, my yo, this, first this, CD this. was gifted to me. It was uh, Salt with a Deadly Pep. You know, not bad. That's I, a like, hard album to have for the first. But it's nifty because like but I'm I, bad cousin. I know that young. MC. I'm not even, like I look back at all that stuff, and I think that all of them have like a particular. Like there's there's something to be complimentary about with literally everybody who had a big hit back in the days with hip-hop. Like, all of them had a positive contribution in one way or another, you know? All I know yeah. is... I mean, I, I, I'm sorry, bro. Sorry. I just, for that first Young MC album, all I know is I reviewed that album, and it is freaking good. And I don't understand... I understand yeah. in hindsight, like, why people think the way they think about it, but if you objectively put that on today, it's a really good album. I bet you if you put it on today, most of the songs people would still dance to and start doing some of the moves that goes to it. Like, you know, it, as a kid, you, you're trying to keep your stripes on, like, Yo, I listen to the hardest song out, blah, blah, blah. But that at that time, it was like that, the bust the groove, like bust the move. Like, that was, like, it was just a melody about it. Like, just I just loved the energy of it. I was like, I want that. I want that. I want that. My brother, who's a, a, a couple years younger than me, was able to get something totally different. He had something that was more expensive, had more extra cool things. But in middle school, that's where I, I just was like, okay, cool. I had to figure out who I was as a person. Still listen to tons of music. I had cousins who would play music. They would get, they were able to get music, and that's another way I was able to consume music. I would go by their houses and they play some stuff, and I'd be like, play it again, play it again, play it again. It's like, yo, dude, we played it like 15 times. No, 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 just give me one more time. And I, and I would just say the melody. And, it, and then and that would influence, when I look back at it, in hindsight, it would influence how I listen to music now and how I write to music. I played a billion times until I can't stand it anymore, turn it off, put something else on for a billion times, and then go back to that if there's something that I feel like I haven't reached yet. And that's how I figure my mental antennas go up into the sky mm -hmm. and into the world, and that's how I connect to universe by being constantly open and available to hear different things and, and find different patterns in this world you know i love it honestly it's really interesting especially that idea of re-listening to your own music till you hate it again um multiple people have told me that this is a very good quality control method to ensure that you only release the quality of music that a guy like you has released and i say that because yo for real your music is that good um, like it's a, a, like a, a timeless you can just replay it over and over and over and over and over and over again a lot of people could do a lot of things with music but I don't know how many people can make seven tracks in a row <clears throat> that are all replayable over and over and over again that's that's a feat that's like a, as like from an album reviewing perspective that's a fucking feat that's like achievement unlocked type stuff uh, I can't wait to send you my album so that you can give me a... a, 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 a you're probably going to get the album early before everybody else so you can give me a review of it. Like, I love to hear people's feedback. The, I, I think I sent you two songs that no one's heard before. Like, that, like I plan on releasing pretty much in the next couple of weeks. So, not even a couple of weeks, within the next month or two. And it's not even mixed and I sent it to you guys and I'm, I, I love to send it out to people early and get their reviews. Like, even though to me, the, even though to me, your opinion matters, it doesn't matter. You know, your opinion doesn't matter to me. 
but it does matter. By the way, I want to shout out my dude. He has this beautiful game out called Your Opinion Doesn't Matter. I'm going to put it on my Instagram. So if you follow my Instagram, you'll be able to see it. Um, I don't know if I should tell him about different medias, but he got this dope game where you have a discussion about whatever. It could be about candles, liquor, ice. It could be whatever. You have to be able to argue from both points of view. So either you hate ice or you love ice. Either way, you have to be able to do it. If you hate ice, you still got to talk about it. If you love it, if you love ice, you got to talk about it. Because your opinion doesn't matter. Back to my music. Your opinion doesn't matter, but it matters. I like to hear what people believe, what they think, because it helps shape my idea. I try not to have a place where I, I can only see one dimension. And, I can't, you know, people suffer through cognitive dissonance a lot. I'm the type that I say, okay, cool, I can hear what you're saying, and I can help that shape you. So that's how I approach my music. And I don't know how I got here, but I'm here now. It's It's good. I like that you said cognitive dissonance. I swear that's a buzzword of my life lately. Um, so I appreciate that. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll review your album. That sounds real good. Um, I don't. I'm on it for saying I'm gonna make sure you get it, yo. And I said that live on the internet, which means now I have to do it. Otherwise, I'm not a very honorable person. Facts. I'm gonna let you know what I think of those two tracks. No, for real, they're really good. No, yeah. no, like my guy popped up in the chat as you said that. He's like, they're fire. Like, for real. Somebody popped up on the YouTube and was like, yeah, the flow is impeccable or something like that on the mm -hmm. unmixed one that you sent. Um, not the one with all the story elements, but the other one. Like, there's one that has a lot of dramatic elements oh, yeah, yeah, in it yeah. and one that's more of like a constant flow. The one that like says, you're like, yeah, my thoughts will fuck you up basically or get you, sh I don't know. I'm not yeah. quoting you correctly because... <laughs> the changing protocol is the one that's like more dramatic like when you listen to it I, I try to make it more like a an audio visual type of thing like where like where you listen to it and, and hopefully if you're in the right oh. state of mind that you can you can see the movie I did for the bro. other one I was you know, for the other for the other one which is called um, um I'm, I'm having a blank right now but the other one is called yeah I have it over there somewhere um the other one is called take lesson yeah, take a lesson. So I'm in a process. I'm, I don't know if I'm, I'm renaming it. So I actually changed it to something else. But I call it Bovid. That's what it's called. Instead of COVID, it's called Bovid. And I see a line in there where they treat you like mindless Bovid. You know, like, you know, like before you catch me, you catch COVID. They treat you like a mindless Bovid. And I went with the name Bovid, but I like the word take a lesson because the producer's name is Crew Jones, a.k.a. Steve Bryant. He, um, he's a person who made the beat and i heard it he, he's uh, he's one of a friend of mine and he plays crazy drums and i told you i always follow drum patterns and his drum pattern was so insane on it that as soon as i heard it my brain was like do not leave this beat like played on instagram a hundred times see if you could steal it through like a downloader and just keep playing it because there's a pattern that you got to figure out right now and you gotta play it so with that one, I was on a mushroom trip in California, and I was fucking high as fuck on a mountain, just like climbing somewhere, just walk like not a mountain, but like you know, like doing like a trail, and I was just looking at bluebirds and woodpeckers and hoping I didn't get you know bit by mountain lions. I got two knives in my hands and I'm wilding out, but I'm just listening to this beat, walking on a horse trail, just wilding out and, and um, what is that place called Griffith Park and just wilding out and. Just having a good time, but but that whole thing was where my mind was at at the time, and I just go with my my thoughts and go with my vibe. I was fucking fucked up on that shit. <laughs> that, that was my awesome. first time doing that shit too. 
I wasn't. I, I don't feel like I was fucked up because I smoked mad weed and drank mad liquor. So I don't feel like I was super fucked up, but I think I was staring at a tree for like a good fucking thirty minutes. I, have, I, can't, I, I, I know what that feels like a little bit. I went. I once went to a grocery store on mushrooms and stared at these things. That I remember the pastries and they were swirling. I don't actually know how long I sat there and stared at them, but I know the grocery people were not happy with me. They're like, hey, buddy. You buy or you go buy? But I buy. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then I just buy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so but you know, like, so like I, I wanted to, I wanted to, I, I asked 7th or 8th grade, right? Because. Yeah, so we, we, I, we cleared the 8th grade part. I, yeah, no, nah, but I asked that because um, I got to know you, right? When you were out of high school, right? So, mm -hmm. um, like the person that I got to know, like when you say that she empowered you like that, like I'm mm -hmm. like, wow, okay, so that explains to me where a good chunk of the person that I got to know back then might have actually came from, you know? Mm -hmm. So like I kind of want to like make a, 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 a line through all that, but I really want to ask another important question, right? Which is something that like, um, knowing as a New Yorker, knowing that Brooklyn is the heart of the city, right? Uh, I know how much all of you essentially go to school with fellow luminaries. Are any other, at any of these points through elementary or middle school, are you meeting any um, <clears throat> poison pens or, um, uh, 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 I don't know, you know, pH, um, uh, who who are who have you come across any of these people yet? Are you starting to meet people who are are are, are maybe rapping? Are you starting to rap yourself? And uh, when I was through, through so from through kindergarten to eighth grade, no, none of these. I, I was straight. I was a nerd. All I had was people around. Like when I got to like middle school, like I said, I was I was a straight pretty much nerd. I was in the top of the class. I was doing all that other stuff. Um, I had a cousin who was a wild cannon. He kind of gave me my chops on how to deal with the people that were, like, out there getting people. Like, I lived in an era, like I told you, like, when it goes back to eighth grade, I, there were people from Decepticons, TLR, which is the Little Rascals, and a whole bunch of other cats that would come to these different middle schools, which is what I was in, and they would rob the kids and take whatever they wanted from them. Oh, you got a dope book bag, you got these sneakers, you got this polo, whatever. This is during robbing time. This is not during, you know, like, yo, did you hear the latest album time? This is during survival time. So we're going to rob mm -hmm. whatever we want. Like, you got dope sneakers? Give me those or you can, mm -hmm. you can get hurt. I'm at the time where all the gangs would line up in different, like, you know, because a lot of the, the, the middle schools were in, like, certain sections. They would line up and go, all right, all you motherfuckers stand there and you're going to wait here until we get time to rob you because we're robbing these other 10 people over here. You're going to wait over there. And we were so scared that we would, you know, we'll wait. So then we go to, okay, cool. My cousin was like, uh, he was like one of those gangster cats. I was like, yo, you're not going to help me? He's like, nah, you better help yourself. And once I figured out you got to help yourself, that was another learning lesson. I wasn't listening to music then. I, I didn't have time to listen to music. I was trying to survive not getting robbed. So then I finally, I got to the point where I got fed up getting robbed. Where I said, okay, cool. These I'm going to, you know, because I didn't, once again, I didn't have that male mm. mentorship to show me how to deal with this life. So then, okay, cool. Now that that happened, 
now I'm, I got to stand on my own too. My cousin was like, yo, if you don't fight, you're going to either, you're going to get, you're going to either, you're going to get sink or you're going to swim. And I was like, okay, I'm going to swim. If I'm dealing with sharks, I'm going to swim. So I'm in the jungle. I'm going to learn how to hunt. So I thought I was wanted to join a gang. And then I figured out that I didn't want to join a gang. And then, and once I, you know, I, they tried to jump me in and they had some shit called flapper style. They were following crazy. But because I was in a different part, like close to Crown Heights, the flapper style that they had, they didn't know I knew flapper style. So when I was like, yo, I want to get down with this gang or whatever the gang was called, it's like, yo, you got to fight. And they had me fight this one guy, his name, he, whatever his name, it doesn't matter. And he tried to fight me flapper style, but he didn't know that I was, you know, already proficient in understanding the language of the fighting style. So when he did this, da -da -da -da, I said, bang, bang, bang. And when I did the bang, 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 they said, okay, this kid is not to be messed with. But then after that, they jumped me. So then after they jumped me, I figured out, okay, cool. I don't need to be with cats who don't really know me, and I just want to be down with them for whatever reason. So then I said, okay, I'm never going to do it again. So I always have been a solo cat, and that, that's where I learned who I was as a person. The people that I met didn't happen until high school. What I was influenced by at the time Big Daddy Kane was at a part of Flatbush where I was at, where it was about a parade grounds. He lives in a, like one of the like opulent buildings around there. I had special ed in my in, in the neighborhood. He was in Flatbush. I had you know different people who that I did not know, but I mm -hmm. looked up to. I had people yeah, who were getting the T yeah. So like like TLR was like a a little section in Flatbush that they said they were like a a, a sect of. Decepticons. So I was like, trying to be down with them. They, they, they was on Westbury. You had these 21st people. You had Church Ave people. You had the Caribbean cats who had their own little gangs and their matches and all that other stuff. So at that time, I wasn't looking for that. I was pretty, pretty much in survival mode trying to figure out how I can get from my home by Prospect Park all the way to a part of Crown Heights without getting robbed, without getting stabbed, shot and all the things that they projected in the world that said that that's what was happening in the neighborhood. Learned how to be smart and be cautious and be on point and also be not afraid to fight for what I believed in at that time. So that's what I was going through in middle school. So there was, like, the people that I met at middle school, none of them are a part, well, some of them, like, there's about two or three of them who might be a part of my life now. And we, we on the same AI-like type of shit where we talk business, where we talk numbers, we talk money, we talk what we're going to do that's going to make sure that our children live. Those are the people that I still have from that era. Now, when we move from public school to middle school, we go into high school, that's when those other lifelong friendships become part of it. That's where music becomes even more of a role. Because I had music still, but I, music I wasn't focused on. I was focused on surviving. Huh? Alright, <clears throat> so then I guess we can move into high school where we can kind of talk. I don't know if I'm scared, man. This is kind of crazy, man. Crazy. <laughs> no, this is great. Yo, no, this is great like, because is... I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating like I, this is like watching a movie for me, bro. You know, like I, like when I met you, you know, like you were already, and it was different that back then, right? Like everybody was getting into the. You know, when we get into the topic of, of, of uh, marketing and promotions and hip hop, right, and mm -hmm. and whatnot, um, back then everybody who was doing it was street teaming, 
You were you were the oh. you were the put a, you were the slap a sticker. You were the you 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 were not you were not the position that you had. You already mm-hmm. had an elevated position back then. You know? Yeah. So like that 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 like it, it like it speaks to me and when I look back at like um all the people that like uh were around back then in my life, mm-hmm. it was a huge, huge, huge like influence that like uh uh you all got to have over me. And I'm I'm privileged and blessed to have had you guys impart all that knowledge that you all had, right? And so, like, I walked into the world as a young man, way more ahead of people. Even though I had I had weapons, I didn't even know that I had, right? Yeah. Like, this is just like knowledge and things that I wasn't even ready to understand fully. And then you get older and you grow into those shoes that you weren't ready to wear yet. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it for me, this is very, very, very interesting. So, please, continue. No, High would, school. Yeah. I would definitely say it's also super interesting. Like, I don't know. To me, this is it. This is, this is why I do this over and over again. Like, I learned so much already from you. You've already given us so much. To me, it's all a gift, right? Like I said. Thank you, Connie. Thank you. So for me, I can't wait to hear about high school. And then we got—I got to talk to Poison Pen. So like, I got to hear his story one time. Yo, 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 yo! Shaping down, motherfucking Poison Pen. Yeah, yo, our history is crazy. I love that motherfucker, yo. So, I, I bet you five dollars he don't even know this is happening right now, but yo, I love that. Nah, he, 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 he gonna know it. This shit is beautiful. That's my fucking family. Like, yo, we we might not see each other for fucking uh, like six months, and then when we do see each other. Guess what? It's like, what up? How you been? You good? You you missing anything? How can I help? Can we help? Can we do anything? No? Cool. Boom. What's up? Let's go get a drink. I motherfucker still on me a bottle of Jameson, by the way. Mm. Make sure you point that out to him. If, they, if you're going to do any type of highlight clip, send him that. You owe me a bottle of Jameson. When we did the Sean P joint, I stepped away for a second with a big bottle of Jameson, and you walked away with it. We got to talk about that. I love that. That's, hey, that's, uh, I'm going to take, uh, take one of his shoestrings or some shit. That's no. very that's very uh, legit for poison pen. That's a, that's a very you just told a very poison pen story. <laughs> I love it. This is so good. I love it. So dude. so I guess in high school, I, all I know is I saw that video and you said you were banging on on lunch tables. So you were evidently in some way involved in stuff. So tell us how you got like you know high school starts and I guess you, you your pacing is perfect. Whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. You're just doing it perfect by yourself. Appreciate it, appreciate it. Um, yo, how about we do this, yo? I feel like I'm meeting you for the first time. We're going to get back to this question of high school. Holden, tell me something about you. I'm going to go get some ice real quick. I'm listening in my headphones, and I want to hear a little bit about who you are as a human being. How did this start? How did this start? How did this start? Oh, I can easily answer that. Um, Basically, in 2016... Um, well, I started music in 2012, and I would argue uh, we wouldn't have had this conversation if you met the 2012 me just on the energies I had in life. I was still figuring things out, etc. Uh, so I started making music, and I started getting involved in the scene. And I didn't. And then I, I've always been curious. So I always wanted to know. I never really fit in. So my coping mechanism is to acquire knowledge uh, as much as possible, because by knowledge you can at least maneuver more effectively. And maybe not annoy people, etc. Um, 
so then as I, I went on, I just kind of realized things weren't working. Nothing I was doing was working. And uh, I realized the internet is an interesting place. So I started doing album reviews uh, because I didn't understand hip hop at all. Right. Like I come from Montreal. It's not like the same thing growing up here. It isn't. It's like to us, it's a music genre until you realize it's more than that. Um, so I proceeded to start reviewing album after album. And then I get butchered on the Internet for a year. I argue with people for a year. And then I started deciding to like read books. Uh, so in 2018, I start reading on this quest with this mission to read 60 books a year. I did not succeed in that year, but I ended up reading the gospel of hip hop by KRS one, where it was like, first of all, have you only, have you, have you only did 60? How many books did you read for the year? Uh, that year I read 31. That's a lot for a year. You did a good job. I have I, I read about great job two in the last four years. Uh, fresh. I, I, uh, spoilers. I hit the 60 in 2020. It's uh, the highlight of my life is yeah, reading 60 my books in a year. Spoilers. Spoilers. Uh, that's what it is. But that's the highlight of my life is reading 60 books in a year. I've never done anything. I don't know that I can achieve that again. Like, that might be it. That might be the one-off. Okay. I know, but, like, priority-wise and focus and actual desire to, like, I don't know that I'm ever really going to have that desire to read 60 books on some prove myself because I did it. I don't know. Maybe I'll do 100 if I ever get there, but that's, like, some serious – that's a lot of time. Sometimes you have to evaluate you the time. And, you, and you're here now. That's it. So I read a lot of books, but the, the gospel of hip-hop taught me that, like, if you give back to your, your community and you give back was the big thing, uh, people will take care of you one day. And I didn't know that before that. That was a big pivotal, like, thing to take away. So I, I started, I didn't know what, how to do anything with that in my life, but it ended up getting to interviews. I said, I can talk and I can interview people and at least continue this learning thing in a more tangible way, right? Because, like, doing album reviews is like reading books. You can go so far with it, but at some point you need that, like, human connection thing. And, uh... Then I started just doing the interviews, and along the way, I talked to this guy named Preacher and Cobia, and I, I realized that he spent two hours describing Montreal's hip-hop history from 1996 to 1999. And I, I didn't know that there was that much history we're talking about that could fill two hours, and it made me realize that in my entire life, at least in maneuvering within my city, the lack of data and information available towards understanding what Montreal has done had kept me from taking a sense of pride in the history of my city. And so I became driven with this passion to write a book in a decade that will effectively take the interviews I do there and turn them into a history book to give people a sense of pride in what we've done. And uh, then I met Flacco. Flacco! And uh, then he brought me into battle rap land where it's like, yo, let's do this here. And then, well, I mean, not effectively battle rap. It well, started with end of the week, yeah. but it's kind I of mean, evolved we, like we that. Still, we like we we do we do we do both. Uh, there, there, you like you you'll see. I mean, you've seen a majority of the guys that I'm connected to from battle rap. They come from an era where we just did everything because that was just what we had to do. It's not that we want wanted to be battle rappers. We just did. We got in where we could fit in, and some of us ended up planting our like roots and our seeds in that battle rap arena, mm -hmm. and that blew up and had popularity. So it's like, why would you abandon something that you helped cultivate and create? But like, it's it's really just brothers, you know. Honestly, like I'll the, talk to pretty much anyone. 
because yo, if you try to find information on people from like a Wikipedia page point of view, like the good stuff, the stuff we want to know, like that you play drums in high school or middle, sorry, uh, whatever school, sorry, that you play drums. Yeah, but it, okay, that's the cool shit that like people sometimes just really well, would love first, to know. Our first interview together, both you and me, was Nunzio, and he's an engineer. Yeah, so like brilliant. we're we, we're yeah. trying to interview people anyway, who got like knowledge to spread. Yeah, and like. Like, like to me, it's like your life story to tell the world. And the most attractive thing to me about you as a person is that your energy is what it is. Being this long in the game, that's like that's mm -hmm. nifty. I can learn from mm -hmm. that as a person struggling with jadedness in corporate Americas and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, um, I I think that uh, you know, to be a person like that, like it's it's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. It, it's one thing to figure out that you want to understand what this culture is about. Like a lot of people don't realize it. Like a lot of people see it as just music, right? At one point in time, rock and roll was a culture. Like to, to live a rock and roll life, you had to have a certain vibe. They found out that that shit would either kill you quickly or have you fucking strung out on some crazy drug. So it adjusted, it moves different. So rock and roll is totally different from now, but hip-hop and rap like rap is a form of hip-hop rap is a, a, a subculture of rap is a the rap that we listen to now is a subculture of what the original culture was it's a it's what the new generation interprets it as and that's what's going to happen it's either going to be diluted or it's going to be it, it, there's going to be some sort of power behind it where it's going to push it forward where it's going it, to going to be some sort of machine behind it so we, we're in a place where the music that we make, the things that we've been through in order to make the music, like from being like the whole battle rap, like it, it like not even battle rap, like just it, battle rap became another subculture, like a, of hip hop. It was another, it was another branch on the hip hop tree, and it's always gonna. And rap is a branch on the hip hop tree. DJing, you know, you know, somebody who's a historian, that's a branch on our tree. Like it's a beautiful thing that we we need these things to keep the culture moving forward. So when people speak to me, like, you know, I have, I have a beautiful friend who is a client of mine and she, she's just watching like, you know, I guess I forgot the name of it. It's on Netflix about hip hop or whatever. And she's asking me who's my top five. And she doesn't understand how extensive a top five is. You say top five from this era, this era, this era, this era. Yeah. You say top five of all time, top five against this person. There's so many different sub-genres that you have to play with that I, it, 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 to do it during text would be very hard to figure out. And I said, listen, once you finish watching whatever movie you're watching, tell me what context you want to talk about top five and we can do that. And that's where I have to deal, especially in my neighborhood now from bedside to Flatbush or anything else. When people, when I speak to people, I have to say, okay, how involved are you into this culture? Like, are you an observer? Are you one of those people who will come and watch it? And as soon as shit get hard, you run out of it. Or are you in it to be in it? So, I, I take I take what we do as a person. I I, I, I try my I, I don't think I can be jaded because I I can never to be jaded means you're bored. Mm. I think that I find new ways to understand other people's understanding 
if that makes sense, uh, to understand people's Ooh. understanding of how like they that. perceive hip hop. And I don't know. I'm just, I just think that, you know, I'm always interested in seeing how people move and how they think. And I think that that influences how I can approach a song. Because I, I, when, I, when you first start, you approach a song this way. Then you figure out, maybe I can approach it this way. Then you're like, oh, I can approach it this way. I can approach it that way. I can approach. And then you find out that you can approach it from an infinite amount of different ways. And as long as you have your lens open wide enough, you'll be able to see that different perspective. If that makes sense. That made a lot of sense to me. I do not know if it made sense to other people. So I don't know if that's me being a bad person or sense. reading it. But I followed that flawlessly. Yo, because I mean, I, I, I like to marinate on things. I like to stew things in my mind and try to hit it from every angle. And it's just the longer you think about an individual topic or a concept, the more that you allow. And I don't know. I mean, I granted I smoke a lot of weed, so my brain tends to allow itself to be more wandery than, say, I don't know, other people's. But I, I empathize 100% with the con the concept of what you're doing. I think it makes you probably a better artist, to be honest. I do believe it does. Like, uh, but not just that. Like, you know, there's a depth and a consistency to how you speak that, like, transcends time, right? Because you sounded like this in that 2013 video. I'm going to assume that as life has gone on that you're you're a pretty consistent i can testify that he sounded like that in 2000 so with that it's like <laughs> the only way to maintain like that sense of self within the adopting world 99 2000 because that means you you evolved with the world it's the only way that you could be yourself in the current world and you can even hear it in your music mm -hmm. it's amazing um Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I, I was laughing at what um, Flacco, I mean, oh, I felt that. Flacco was saying it. Like, you know, like, this is who we were. Like, you know, like, I, like the, the things that shaped me, and I, I've grown. Like, you know, like, so we was going to get back into the high school situation, but like, the things that I've experienced is who, what made me. I did not have the connection to hip hop like I, some people did. Some people grew up in a different thing where they, they were battling. Like, I think in, in middle school, I wasn't battling. But in high school, that's where I started my, 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 I've always had music in my life, but I think that high school was where the spark came. And that's where I bumped into different people from different places. I don't think, you know, like I lived in, like I went to a certain school that not far from my middle school, which was at the time, like a, a, a school for being a doctor. Cause when I was younger, I wanted to be a doctor cause I thought that's what I had to be. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, I ended up in a school that was predominantly, uh, you know, females. So then I'm coming into the school, trying to be a, a dude in a spot that's like predominantly females, but at the same time, hormones kicking in and trying to be like, you know, a cool person, but at the same time, smart as fuck, but trying to hide the smartest because I wanted to make sure I had that edge so I don't get, you know, bothered by people. And then on top of that, there's a, a there's an underground thing happening because Stretch and Barbito pops off when I'm in high school. When I'm in high school, that's when Stretch and Barbito's popping off. That's when the late night radios is when you're listening to hip hop. That's when I get to start going, okay, my first album was Young MC. And when I tell people that in high school, they're like, yo, that's what you had first? I was listening to this. I was listening to that. And I was like, damn, I was way behind. 
So then I started doing my homework and catching up and catching up and catching up. And then going back to, you know, public school, elementary school, that's when I started the beating on the table and we'd be, be beating on the lunch tables because somebody needed rhythm while somebody was rapping. And as I, I didn't have the, the rapping skills yet. So the cats that did rap, I was just doing the drums. So I was in that circle. Hmm. So I get in that circle. And when I'm in that circle and I'm beating on the drums, I say, yo, hold up. I think I can do this. I was never thinking about writing. I was never thinking about doing like that part. I was just like, I was just happy to be there. It's like, I was like, I feel like I'm in a, I'm in a movement. Then I'm in a school and I'm learning the system, you know, cause you mind you already, and I'm not saying learning the system of the school. I learned the system of how to carry yourself in New York city or how to carry yourself in the hood, how to carry yourself during this culture situation where we are all going through this cultural phenomenon of the crack epidemic. So you have to learn how to navigate through that because if you navigate wrong, either two things is going to happen. No, three more than multiple. There's, there's an infinite amount of things that can happen. You're used on drugs. You're fucking, you know, strung out. You're your person who, who's, who's living a life with somebody who's strung out. So you can't trust them. So you have trust issues. You're living a place where, you know, you can get robbed or you're going to be a robber. Like you can see the, like I said before, sink or swim. So you have to figure out how to navigate yourself in high school. I started in, in middle school, and but in high school is where it happened. And in high school is where I got that bug for who I am now. That And this is where all of that shit is shaping me to become who I am now. That's really cool, though. So at that point in high school, you're banging on the tables. You're involved in the movement. And you're meeting all the people Flacco name dropped before. I don't know if you met Penn then. I'm just saying you start meeting more relevant. No, no. No, 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 I didn't meet them, like, it's sad to say, I don't know what, what school he went to at the time, I, I figured because he's the best, best side dude and all the other cats, was, they was in different areas, I didn't meet these guys until pretty much after I was done with high school, mm -hmm. I met him when I was doing marketing and promotions, I met him when I was in the streets, I, I was so secluded by my, my moms and, and my family that I only knew Flatbush, which is where I lived, the, the, the little immediate neighborhood, parade grounds and all that other stuff, East 21st, uh, you know, uh, Hawthorne and all these other places. And then I would go to school and I would come back. I wasn't allowed to go explore the whole world like that. So yeah, I, I, I relate to that, though. That was a lot like what my high school was like. I wasn't allowed to do shit all. Everything was supervised, planned up by my parents. I needed approval to go. And I remember the first time I got to go to a mall by myself with a $20 bill. I was 16. I know you feel like it was balling when you did that shit, didn't you? Yo, I was the best. <laughs> and then my dad gave me a lesson on how I spent the money wrong. <laughs> but, uh, no, but for real. We, we, we didn't have those lessons on how we spent our money wrong. We didn't, our lessons was like, yo, did you get in a fight? Okay, cool. Everything was nah, cool. Did, you got it. in a fight. Did you fight back? That's what that's what our lessons no, were. Like, we no. had a different set of lessons on survival and how Trust to get through my dad's lessons weren't all that great. <laughs> It, it wasn't the best. <laughs> I, I, I was not getting the blessed version of these lessons. I was getting a different version <laughs> of these lessons, I promise you. But I'm hearing what you're you saying. And I'm not, I can, I'm not trying to compare it. I hear what you're saying. And there's the point you're making is mad valid. And it needs to be said stills. Because I don't think everyone is aware that, that like even having a, like a, not the best father is still a father. Still a presence in your life and whatnot. And that's very valid.
Well, it's very valid for you, but I didn't have that. No, I mean, it, life, the point you were making is very valid. That's what I was saying. Um, so I appreciate oh. that. Nah, I mean, at the end of the day, that's kind of what I want this show to bring to light is stuff that people should care about. And I think that's something should, people should think about more often, be aware of it as they assess situations, that they're not always thinking of all the details that don't often... Like, you can't Google this stuff very quickly because you would never think to Google this kind of stuff unless somebody says it and you actually end up having a conversation like this. There's no, there's no Wikipedia for none of this stuff. There's yeah. definitely no Wikipedia for the stuff <laughs> that we used to do back in the days. There's no... There's no, none of, there's no, like, education on that at all. And I think that that's, like, a piece of history in hip-hop that people are going to find valuable in a few years or years from now. And I think that it behooves us to start trying to, like, document it because we were actually there and we were a part of it. Like, as, we were. as a person who's listened to a lot of the music from New York, every conversation like this adds this, like, flavor of understanding to why it sounds like this or why people have this attitude towards it and you hear certain things and you're like okay okay but what's it really like and so when you hear the what's it really like stories from somebody like you who who does take the time to like share it like i mean imagine it's probably not the funnest part of life to have to describe these situations so i appreciate what you're doing it's actually very cathartic for me like like to, to actually do this it, it makes me feel uh I mean, I, you gotta, I gotta be careful how and what I reveal because I don't like putting anybody in the situation. But um, I, I feel, I feel really comfortable exploring this place because I feel like I don't explore this unless I was having a conversation with somebody. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, that's, that's, and nobody really asks these type of questions. Like, I haven't had this question asked by the, the people closest to me. So, like, hearing these things right now, like, it, it, it makes me explore these thoughts that I never thought I had. So I'm comfortable doing that. Super cool. Yeah, yo. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, um, Because not and everyone does. And most people are not open. I'm comfortable. Like, I'm, I'm, I am who I am. I'm, I'm not scared to be who I am. Not and yeah. maybe respect it. You respect it. If you don't, we can have a conversation about it on or off the, the, the you know, off the line. Thank you. I already know that, though. That's nah. why, like, you know what I mean? holler at you <laughs> so it's like, like to me it's like um i think these are really like for i become a better person the more conversations like this i have i'm really into this idea of stat, uh, stories of stats so like stats are, are really great but they're numbers but if you can talk to two three thousand people and try to attach three thousand faces to a number that says three thousand it adds a lot more value to it so it's like a compulsion in this world now or you mean in real life this is just some shit that I try to view the world as. I don't know if it's a real thing. I made that up. Stories or stats. It's how I try to... It's like I look at this. I talk to so many people and you're able to really just talk to all these people and learn all these stories. So if I can talk to like a thousand people, imagine the context that you get added to when you look at stats in real life. You don't get that when you just yeah. look at numbers. The news doesn't talk about this. You don't get this anywhere unless you have the opportunity to talk to people. Yeah, you know, I, I was, uh, I can't remember who said it to me, and I would love to, but there was a person who told me, like, oh, actually, I do remember, um, Ryan Leslie. I sat down with him for a minute, and he, he said something. He was like, don't reward the people that you think are paying attention to you. Reward the people who are actually paying attention to you. Let's suppose you, you uh, so online, I can have, let's say, anywhere from, you know, 500 to a, a couple thousand 
hits on one of my my videos or something like that that doesn't determine who i am that the fact is that the people who write in the comments those are the people i pay attention to if, if i only got 50 people in my comments and i got a thousand and something views the people who get rewarded are the people who's talking to me in my comments the people who get rewarded are the people who are actually paying attention to who i am i can have a million people paying attention to me and it looks good on paper but i don't need those million people because those million people are not spending their money with me they're not taking care of they're not they're not actually appreciating the, the the art that i'm presenting to them so i would rather focus on if i had a thousand people paying attention to this this right now if there's a hundred people in the the chats that are talking to me i would rather focus on those 100 people than those thousand people who are just watching it like let's talk let's have a conversation because i'm open to it I, i'm at this time in my life i'm open to it i want to do things where we can if i mess up on something i shouldn't be canceled for it i should be given a chance to be educated on it and then after i'm educated on it then we can move forward and we can figure out a way to understand each other just because i'm educated don't mean i'm agree with you but if I do agree with you, then we can move forward from there. If I don't agree with you, we can move forward from there. There's, there's the two places where I don't agree with you. We don't have to speak to each other anymore. But if I do agree with you, if I do understand where you're coming from, we can have an understanding that maybe I don't understand what you're doing and you don't understand what I'm doing. You just have to be constantly focused on the people that are paying attention to you and the people that you are paying attention to. I know that sounds like I'm speaking in circles. I don't like that shit. Nah, you're not. You're, you're pretty you're clear. You're not at all. Like, it's like, it's the kind of thing where it might, like, come off like you're speaking in circles because it's not simple things to explain because, not, like, we don't have great metaphors yet for this as a culture or a society to make it. So it really is, like, nah, you got to follow the numbers of what you're saying, but if you break it all down and stay invested in the people with the right energies around you. That's what I took from what you that's said. It. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's all. I, that's all. I, that's all I'm talking about. Yeah, I took that. Um, but I like the way you describe it. Like Flacco said before, it's a little bit like being at a movie, listening to you speak about stuff. And I really appreciate that. Like your tone of voice, all of it, it's wonderful. Um, and you have acting experience, I did so I you did. You literally said that earlier. Yeah, I have a pretty good memory for this kind of thing. Um, but it's uh it's all good so in high school you, you're going through that part where basically your life is kind of sheltered but you're exposed to it more and you start getting the bug of it a little bit more and then i guess uh high school ends and you get more freedom at that point well in high school uh you know that's when we started listening to like i said stretching my beetle so it was stretching my beetle we started listening to it and uh my friends, like, we would stay up, and we would set up a situation where stretching my beetle, I think, was from either 11 or 1 to, like, no, like 5 in the morning. It was, like, 1. I feel like it was 1. And we would, huh? So we would do it like 1 o'clock, and then we would, like, you know, like, I would do 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, and we would have the tape recorder where you had to tape it for, for half an hour, then flip it. And I would sneak and do that. And then my friend would do from two o'clock to three o'clock. And then we would switch the tapes and we would listen to different music. And that's where I really got exposed to different rhyme patterns. I got exposed to 
some of the, the classics. Like, I mean, like if you listen to like, you know, some of the best people came through with Stretch and Barbito, and that's how I started working on rhyme flows. I, that's where I figured out I wasn't exposed to Rakim because remember I was listening to Young MC and I was exposed to that guy. And then when I started listening in high school to Run DMC and well, I was exposed to Run DMC, but I was exposed to because they were kind of they wasn't as heavy and they were like more I hate to say it like that, but they were like the more popular people and and that was okay for me to listen to. But Rakim and Big Daddy Kane and being able to catch their rhyme flows, I used to write. In high school, their lyrics in my in a rap book in a fucking composition book because I wasn't able to grasp everything they were saying. And then as I did that, I was able to read it and then really understand what they were saying. And that's that's what showed me how. I and mean, it was because of Malcolm X when he would go down and write the you know when Sister Muhammad would tell me in Miss in the middle school how he would write down words and he would understand the definition of it. That made me go and write down Rakim lyrics, made me go and write down Big Daddy Kane lyrics, Slick Rick, like whoever was popping at the time, LL Cool J, just to make sure that I had a grasp of everything that they were saying. And by doing that, it gave me a grasp of the English language and how they would use words to paint pictures and manipulate the rhythm that they were hitting because remember the message i was hearing is but for now i'm hearing so i'm hearing drum patterns and how they're doing it so when i approach a song depending on the mode that i'm in i might approach it as you know a drum player a trumpet player a saxophone player a flutist a flautist if you would say that correctly a violinist like i'm always figuring out how can i ride a beat that somebody gave me in a way that when you hear it, it's something that one, you've never heard before. Cause you know, there's only about a, 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 an exponential amount of notes that you're going to hear. You can hear the same eight notes in a certain way, but you have an infinite way of playing them that will put you in a different space than everybody else. It's like saying we all have the color blue, but if you use a different tint of blue, it'll stand you out, Picasso, anybody else that we're doing, you know, Star City or Peso or whoever the hell we're doing over in the back, you know what I mean? So it's how you want to paint the picture and how you want to do it. If you listen to like Shock G, I remember him saying the way that Tupac would ride certain beats, it would be the way, it'd be like a trumpet hitting it or it'd be like a, you know, and, and, and Rakim would say that he was a saxophonist at one point in time in his life and he wrote it like a saxophone person. So that's where I learned by listening to Stretch and Barbito, listening to all these guys, how to understand music and how to write it. So, so basically, you took high school kind of as an opportunity to learn how to write while you were there. In hindsight, yeah, of course. And you weren't really performing much. You were just kind of acquiring the knowledge and honing your skills kind of not as publicly. Or did people, were you rapping at this point? Oh, yeah, I started rapping, you know, like in high school, I started rapping and, and, and there I, that's where I learned if it was a if it was a flop or not. And I and then I learned that I have to have that same coverage that I had when I was a younger kid to stand in front of people and present something to them and they might not like it. They might like it, they might not like it, might not like it. So either way that they would do it, I would I was OK putting it out there to them. 
wasn't scared to do it. I was ready to jump out the window and see how I'm going to figure out how to land as I'm going down. That's dope. So were there any shows or is it more of like a casual in the halls kind of thing? It was in a host, but you know what it was? It was a status thing because the fact that I was smart, I was hanging out, I started drinking and smoking around that time in 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th grade, and I was able to rap, make songs. It showed that I was a little bit fearless, and I was one of those guys who stood out as a, yo, this guy is the the cool guy. I was on a basketball team. They didn't have a music program. I was, was, you know, a, a dental assistant, so I learned how to make fronts. I learned how to make you know, teeth for people who needed to have teeth made. And at, and I had a certain, it, it gave me my confidence to be who I am and, and not be scared to take a chance. And through that, it shapes the man behind the suit. No, that's amazing. I like that. So I guess at that point, then you finish high school, you go through that. I don't know if there's anything else that was in high school that you want to share before moving on to the post high school times <clears throat> not much like i mean school was like that's where like i met the people that, that like i said like i met some a couple people in middle school that are still friends today high school i met people that are still part of my life right now like i met you know my delegator crew my, my dlg republic people who were still making music and doing beats and they're they're working behind the scenes doing beautiful things i met you know my, my sleepwalker cats when I was down with sleepwalkers and that's what that's what made me want to get into the music business and we're going to go into that after high school with, with Flacco ah god damn it I'm sorry I'm, so, I'm not supposed to say that I'm supposed to say <laughs> I'm supposed to say you know, Dutch Vega and all that other shit but you know yeah. like, say whatever you want but you know <laughs> if call, me, like, call me Ray yeah you know I ain't I want to I, I don't put that gov out there but nah it's all good I it's put it out that, there all the time myself. It's just that, like, you know, like, like these are people that I can actually have a beautiful conversation with, i.e. right now, and we are actually talking some real things that happen that hopefully this is archived properly that somebody can learn something from, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah. That's be- why I wanted, that's why I wanted to... That's why, like I said at the beginning, at the beginning you had uh, left out and then you came back and I was doing the breaking down of like why we do this series together. You know what I mean? And it's just like, yo, I want I want to get to know everybody that I know's story because I know that when I did the interview with Holden, I was just like, yo, why don't, why is it this is the first time that I've ever documented any of this? in the world ever this is absurd this is but you know like it doesn't matter what really matters like crying over the spilled milk ain't gonna help me none what's gonna help me is like getting some doing with it you know and immediately when we started like doing interviews i was just like yeah i just want to inter- i want to interview the people who i know who i find extremely interesting and i want them to be asked these same questions that holden was asking me that made me talk about things. I'm like, why is it that I never talked about this before? You know, like, so more. Yeah, <clears throat> and I'm just really curious and learned along the way that everybody's interesting. So it makes it pretty easy to just kind of talk to everybody. 
As long as you have a willing ear, that's the that's what, that's what makes them interesting. That was one of the longest lessons I ever learned in my life. <laughs> but once I learned it, it helped a lot to realize that um, everybody's interesting if you're willing. Yes, sir. Um, so yeah, no, it's honestly like everything about this conversation has just taught me a whole bunch. Like it's the kind of thing where often I don't really reflect it well after, but I, I, I think about these conversations after and I like stew on them and they kind of like build into the next one. So uh -huh. everything that gets said, it's like, you know, maybe I don't know how they all tie into it, but it definitely adds to my context of life and you're, you're very yeah, interesting. Definitely. Yeah. Same. I like, feel the same exact way. Like, I feel like as, as we've been, like sitting here week after week talking to everybody i'm just like every time i take something away from each conversation that i'm like super applicable to my life right now you know yeah. so like blessings yeah. yo i'm yeah. blessed i'm yeah, gonna tell you this right now yo i love you motherfuckers yo thank you i've just met you for the first time holding today but you know dutch already knows i love him vega knows i already yeah. love him yeah, but, uh, I'll let you fact. guys know that there's nothing but pure energy amongst me at all times. And I, and I try to keep it as positive as possible, begging for you not to make me go negative. Yeah. Fair okay, enough. what's next? Um. So, yeah, what, what comes after high school? Fucking life, yo. That's what came after life. That's what came after fucking high school. <laughs> fucking life, nigga. That shit got crazy after. Yo. So I go, what are we doing, man? I feel like this is like an autobiography of K Gaines and some shit like that. Yeah, um, it's a little bit what it so is. I, yo, I get points in a fucking book when I put it out if my shit gets in it, just so y'all know that, all right? Yo, um, you already know. So my, so I go to, I go, I, 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 um, I'm in, I'm in high school. I hang out with my boys in the hood. You know, I'm getting a little bit of freedom working. I'm doing, you know, my little nine to five, not nine to five, but like, you know, working, you know, for whatever I got to work for, trying to make a couple bucks, delivering newspapers, fucking working at Pathmark, whatever I can to make a buck to help my family. Because now we're getting past that era of the crack epidemic and we kind of moving out of it, you know. Then we're dealing with the other epidemic or the pandemic that we had to deal with, right? So surviving that, we're moving on. Now I'm past high school, and because we're we're in such dire straits, I'm thinking, hey, it's not good. I can go to college right now, but I can't go too far because I think I need to help my family. So I help my family doing what I got to do, and I'm still in the hood. There's nothing much that changed. I'm still I'm still pretty much focused on taking care of my family because I'm the oldest brother. And I gotta take care of my my younger siblings, you know, you know, hold down things at the fort for when my moms can't be around. So I'm going through that. So I'm like, okay, cool. I have this thing. What I'm gonna do? And every kid should have this. It's like going to high, going to college, but I wasn't able to go to college. But I had to figure that shit out in the hood. What the fuck am I gonna do? I had no idea what I wanted to do. I know I wanted to make music for some reason. I felt like because high school sparked me because listening to Stretching My Beatles, talking about, you know, comparisons of Redman to 
uh, you know, Funk Shot Shorty because they both drop albums around the same time and I was exposed to one and other people was exposed to the other and then come to find out Buckshot didn't live far from where the school I was going to and then I finally met him and then people in the neighborhood and just different Crown Height areas, Flatbush situations, right? Now it's like, what the fuck do you do with your life? I have no idea. Go and do it. Figure it out. Somehow, a, a dude in my neighborhood, he winds up rocking with my cousin. His name is General. Word. Only certain people know who General is. Mm-hmm. I know who that is. In New York City, when poster board, not make, before it, 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 it went worldwide, poster boarding went crazy, right? Before it went crazy, General, for whatever reason, had to do some, you know, do some time. Comes out, happens to meet my cousin. She, they, they, they love each other, whatever. He was a fucking hood dude who would fucking put on for the neighborhood. He would do basketball tournaments. He would help, he would find a way to sponsor him. Whatever he had to fucking do. That shit caused him a problem. This motherfucker comes out of jail and I'm at a point in time when he comes out of jail that I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I see him walking one day with a fucking little shopping cart behind him. And the shopping cart has nothing but posters in it. It's like stacked up. They're not, they're not stacked up like the long way. They stacked up in boxes like this on top of each other. He got like, and he just walking with it. He looked like he's struggling walking with it. And he pulls out two posters. Bang, bang, bang. Bang, bang, bang. Staples it. I'm like, yo, what you doing? He's like, yo, I'm putting up these posters. Now here goes my musical journey. I still wanted to get in the music industry. I wanted to be a rapper because I'm in high school. What you doing? I'm putting up these um, posters for this music, for this, uh, this, this record label. What label? Doesn't matter. It could be Sony, it could be Def Jam, it could be whatever. This motherfucker just bang, 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 putting it on the pole. Bang, 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 putting it on the pole. I said, yo, that looked pretty easy, yo. You want help? He said, you want to help me? I said, yeah, is money involved? Because, you know, I'm young, I'm trying to make money. He said, nah, there's no money involved. But if you do this, I promise you, you, you get plugged into it. He's like, you want to rap, right? He sold me the dream of rapping. So, yeah, I want to rap. He said, yo, you can learn the industry if you do this. I'm going to plug you into the matrix. You're going to get into this. Bang, bang, bang. That's me. Bang, bang, bang. I'm bang, bang, banging all over the fucking city. I'm bang, 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 by the way, is like a stapler. That's you know? a stapler. I, I, I'm, I'm picturing it. It's a pole. You know, it's a pole. It's, it's like a light wind. pole. Yeah, it's a light pole. And I know that it happened in every major city in the United States of America. It wasn't just... Um, New York City. It's just that New York City was the most prominent. Because, no, I'm going to no. say this right now. I, and I don't mean to cut you up. I, I'm going to give you a respect on it. The shit started because General went to a record label. He wanted. To, he had somebody who had some dope shit. He goes into the record label. I was like, yo, I got some people that got some dope shit. The record label looked at him and was like, you don't know shit about the record label. We're not talking about you. You don't know about the music business. We're not talking to you. General goes and says, yo, why do you have so many, what are those, posters? He's like, yo, I got some people in the hood who would like these posters. He's like, they's like so take some. He's like, yo, so but what are you doing with these posters? Because they, they look like they're just sitting there. They just look ancient. He's like, yo, we're not doing anything with them. They were taking money out the budget 
making these posters and just letting them sit somewhere and then chasing, take, taking them and then throwing them in a fucking garbage can. They wasn't even putting it out doing a promotion. General figured out, you take those posters because we see politicians in the neighborhood going, bong, 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 vote for this asshole. Bong, 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 vote for this asshole. He said, yo, what if I did that with the fucking music posters? Mm. He goes, bong, 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 with fucking Mary J. Blige, fucking whoever the fuck was out Mariah of Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey, whoever the fuck was out, fucking Winnie Houston. He's taking yeah. whatever fucking yeah, thing yeah. they do. Word, 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 word. What do you he created his value within the music industry. They started noticing that in the neighborhood that he would post those posters up, they would get more recognition from these people. I don't know how, what their analytics was and how they figured it out, but they figured out that people were paying attention to this artist more. This guy literally started, I feel in my, in my book, General's the person who started fucking street teaming. Okay. Yeah. Street That's teaming like goes around. <clears throat> yeah? Like you're the only person, you're the, interview, you're the 77th one I've done of these in my life now. The first person to really talk about street team to this kind of street teaming, so that's really fascinating to me. Well, I I talked about it too, but not like this. <laughs> this man is that is why like I wanted him to be here. But yeah. yes, I did speak about it when okay. we were. So this is I, what I'm telling you. This this is who I started with. This is where I got my start right here. I was like I, this I'll man be honest. and his bang bang bang. Let me tell you something. They 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 taught me bang bang bang, and then I started to bang bang bang. All right, and like that yeah. like job being my first job out of high school, like was the most. I I learned so much in my life so fast there because it was just a different environment that nobody in my age group was, mm. you know, there were lessons that I learned there that were like, like, I remember get, we, we, our company, right. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a take, take a second here and tell you a story, mm -hmm. right. Oh, for when back, back in the day when Gaines and me knew each other, when we were young pups. Okay. And mm. I was extra young. And so we, one of, one of the, um, companies that we used to market and promote for was Martel Cognacs, and um, and oh, bottles uh, on bottles on bottles. <laughs> we used to <laughs> we used to go to a lot. Uh, uh, they used to have a lot of like club mixer events that we were at that we could drink for free, and like I would get fucking sloshed. Like I was underage, getting sloshed in the club. <laughs> Like, way too sloshed. Then, like, fucking throwing up outside the fucking van while it's moving. So now the van's got throw up on the outside of it, okay? Like, the artists that we're promoting. And they have to, like, like somebody finally, like, sits me west. Piles. Sits me to the side. He's young like, West, yo. Fucking Young West. West. West sits there and tells me, he's like, listen, just because it's free doesn't mean you have to take it, bro. And I was just like, wow, facts. <laughs> like, like, it was just like I was taking too much advantage at too young of an age, drinking way too much of a heavy liquor, right? That I was just not built for at all in any way. But we were, that's New York City. We grow up moving at a very fast pace, I think, you know? But 
I was blessed enough to have these young men in my life that were like a little bit older than me and like imparted knowledge on me that like took me across the rest of my like young man adulthood and like it was like with that and my parents I'm good life has not been very like difficult in any way and it's because of all the knowledge that they gave well, you know, like even then, like, you know, so you got to remember, like, even when I was, when we was dealing with each other, I was still searching for who I was as a person. Like, I, I didn't find myself and I thought that I, I was going to find myself, but I didn't know. I don't know which way to move. I want to move this way because I want I want to get my pieces of art to fucking you know, shine in it. But um, I didn't know who I was at the time. Like, I still was learning. Like, the, the, the industry was crazy. We were all young cats who most of us didn't have the influence of a father figure and we were all learning together. Like I remember like when I first learned the power of where you position something on a pole or where you put it to make sure that you, you can optimize a person's eye line. So I'm learning marketing and promotions now. Like now I'm learning marketing and promotions and mm -hmm. I'm learning how if you put it in the wrong place, a person won't even notice it because they look at a certain level. So now I'm understanding human nature and then doing it. Like, and, and this is all hindsight talk that I'm talking to you. Right, right, when right. I was doing it, I didn't realize it. I remember one time we went to a, um, when we first was doing Tragedy Gaddafi's um, album. Oof. We was doing, what was that shit called? 25 to Life. When we first was doing that, we went to the Bronx and we was doing it under a train track and we thought it looked dope under every single train track. And when we did it, there was like a crazy car crash where this guy crashed into like one of the, you know, like when there's like an above track train track and he hit a thing, he hit like a, a, a pillar and a pillar had nothing but tragedy Gaddafi wanted posters all over it. And he hit it and he was drunk as fuck. And when he got out the car, he spilled out and was like fucking like two 24 packs of beers. And we was like, yo, dude, you better get out of here. And it was like a crazy situation, right? That happens. And we thought, yo, this is the perfect place for us to be there to fucking be putting up these posters. Our boss looked at us, Sincere Thompson. He was like, yo, why did y'all put the posters here? Nobody walks under here. Nobody drives under here. There's no traffic under here. Now you got to put it in a place where wherever you at, you can see it. Uh -huh. Don't put it on an obscure block that only five people come down a day. Put it on a block that fucking a hundred people come down a day. Uh -huh. We said, okay, we hear you. So now we're doing fucking highways on the West Coast, on the West Side Highway. We're doing uh -huh. posters over uh -huh. a bridge. We don't give a fuck where we put in yeah. these these yeah. poster boys. Because now we're putting it in high visibility areas. Oh, you think we're playing games? General, the person who I feel started this whole motherfucking movement, got arrested for putting up Cameron stickers all over New York City. This is a Cameron sticker that was like a rainbow one. Like the question asks, "Who is Cameron?" And they put that up on top of a billboard, and they covered the entire billboard. And because of that, they got sued. They knocked on my dude General's door while he was sleeping with his family, pulled him out on UPN Nine News. 
UPNI News, at the time, was like one of those cool things, like Fox and NBC and all that. Yes, Channel Nine. It was like like mainstream news, you know, television, mainstream television. Brought him out like he was terrorist number one. They brought him out like they had him in handcuffs. Like, how dare you go over a BMW picture and painting with who is Cameron? He, 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 I mean, he plastered the city. They made like 15, 20, 30, 40,000 stickers. He plastered the city. That this is this is what legend is made of, though. Like, this is like, like in New York City, like, there's like this, this is how we were like. You could you knew people who were part of certain campaigns and you would see it and you'd be like, Wow, like what who 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 did that? Like what how did they get up there? You know? And general getting up there was like you know. I feel it. It was like fucking like we did Missy's a bitch, we did Mary J. Blige. Hate to say it, but we also did a uh, fucking R. Kelly. We went on tour with GTA. We went on par with the fucking uh, on tour with fucking uh, Lip Biscuit. We did so much fucking beautiful things that exposed me to the world. And this is this is part of my after high school life. This is me living my life and going to, to, to figure out how to navigate through what i thought was the music industry and, I, and, and and like he said we was like fucking going to like all these parties and we thought that was a cool thing to do but i figured out yo there's more behind the curtains so there's like the wizard of Oz. you got like all here the glitz and the glamorous but behind there there's work that has to be done we were doing street promotions so now we get people from virginia and it's like uh, and people from the south and people from la it's like yo we come to new york we're gonna send you some posters we need to make sure that they're up we're putting posters up everywhere. We're taking a picture. This is before digital cameras and camera phones and all that other shit. We had to have the fucking scroll pictures. We had to take pictures and get them printed and send it back to these motherfuckers. This is the time. This is only the 90s, by the way. This is like 90s, 2000s. This is not like fucking, you know, 1943, 1984. You know, shit like that. This is wow, wow shit. Like to us, that's old. To these young cats, 1990-something is fucking old. Yeah. So we live in this life. So then I learned the music business. I learned how people navigate. I watched how people's energy moves. And, and the way their energy moves, I say, okay, cool. This is not something for me. I came into this game learning how to, wanting to learn how to navigate through the music industry. But I figured out I don't need the industry to do what I got to do. We still making music, start making music, and then we transgress to where we are right now, where I'm actually recording music and making music and putting stuff out that people enjoy. Fair enough. Um, yeah, no, I was just processing everything you said. Sometimes that was that was a whoopie. That was like a, that was like a like, whoopie, uh, a, a curveball, uh, a screwball pitch, right yeah, there. Yeah, it just went from so, like. Where did Mind you, but during this time, like when I'm in the streets doing everything I got to do, this is when I'm meeting Poison Pen. This is when I'm meeting all the people in my life. When I want to, I know that I want to rap. And I'm with my group Sleepwalkers at the time. This is when we're cutting our teeth. This is in the time where we're doing shows. Like I'm, I'm, I'm working during the daytime. I'm at, you know, you know, whatever parade so, is going on. I'm out there giving out flyers. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So who's in Sleepwalker? How did you get started with that? I'm, I'm not like. It was very hard to Google you, so I'm not as familiar with the other groups that uh, 
you were in. So uh, I'm not as Googleable as most people. That's right, because I, I, I actually didn't put as much out there. But Google should have like, even if it didn't. I was down with Sleepwalkers. I was in a, it was in a group. It was you know three of my bandmates that I actually met in high school, and we you know we formed a group and we were working and then you know we went our separate ways. After we went our separate ways, we go to a point where. You know, we decided to go solo, and after we go solo, now we're here where I'm at. Sleepwalkers is an integral part because during the New York era, we were probably one of the best groups that were moving because most they, they had people who had, who had like a little a crew of people where they were like all separate individuals. But as far as crews, we were one of the doper crews that was moving. And we were doing a lot of shows, at least in my opinion. We were doing a lot of shows and we were doing justice to the people who was paying attention to us. Like they, they were like, okay, these guys got something to say and they're here to say it. That's how we moved. That's right, dope. <clears throat> so how did you end up uh, with the Kung Fu, uh, the Kung Fu Bum movie? short film that, that to me was like i mean the music part it was fantastic you're clearly doing your i love thing. that too. but then i told I'm, you that before though i'm on your channel and i come across that premiere video <coughs> for it which i'll be honest was another curveball because you just don't expect to see um that you're you're an actor person and i thought that was just as interesting an I mean, I don't know what the right words are for some actor. actor. No, no, actor. I like that. Like that. I'm actually just so you know that the reason I said that is because it's probably going to end up in a in a verse where I'm going to go actor person. I like that. I like I like the, the inflection of how you said it. That's amazing. I appreciate <laughs> that. That that is one of the coolest things somebody said on one of these interviews thus far. Um, Word. But like, how did put, that come to be? Because I watched it and it was incredible. The premise, it's, it's deep too. It's not even a shallow little five minute thing. Like I looked at it, it was fucking cool. And uh, I just wanted to also know more about how that came to be because it's un completely unrelated to your music, but it's also pretty, well, it's not completely, I don't know. It's just really incredible. And it it wasn't what I was expecting when I started looking into you. Um, the, the Kung Fu Bum thing came up like, so, so then we go, we, we speak about the sleepwalkers, like, you know, like we were doing a lot of stuff and then we wound up breaking up. So we, we break up and when we break up, we're at a place where once again, it's sink or swim. Like, like, what do I do next? Mm. How do I, do I sink or do I swim? Like, how do I figure out what I'm going to do? So I, I hook up with these these dudes who were part of the same. So mind you, there's a beautiful at one point in time, like once from high school to the point of where we had sleepwalkers. There's a beautiful bubble in New York City. There's beautiful people that's putting out great music. We got Fresh Daily. We got Homeboy Sandman. We got uh, Picasso. We got uh, you know sleepwalkers. We rocking it. We got. So many people. We got the, the whole Mickey Facts. We got so many like different people who like we got Poison Pin. Everybody's bubbling. The whole pH. Everybody's bubbling. The, the, the end of the week. This is a beautiful bubble in New York City that's happening where there's a culture of hip hop that's the world is underground, but to us it's just life, and we are just making music we're doing shows we're performing everywhere we can and we're supporting each other like we're 100 percent behind each other and it's absolutely beautiful 
something. I don't know what the fuck happens, but something happens where people start sectioning off and then everything happens where I'm not with my group anymore. People are not with their groups anymore, but they're still part of the groups and we still know each other. And this is where we're meeting each other and everybody's like, okay, we respect your craft. Some people don't get respected. They go to the wayside. But the people who get respected, they keep on moving forward and they keep moving up. And it gets to the point where, you know, everybody figured out that they have to live life outside of the music that they were doing. Some people decided to keep living the music life. Some people decided to live life outside of that. I was one of the people who decided to keep living life as a musician. So when the things went sideways or when not even sideways, just askew with the people I was dealing with, I was like, yo, what do I do next? And I was worried about it because I'm always about not topping myself, but pushing my limit. If I was painting a certain way, I want to paint a different way after. I don't want to always be caught in the same box. And Two Hungry Bros was part of a crew and they had some dope beats. And I said, listen, let's, you know, let's talk. And they were down for it. And it was supposed to just be like a couple songs while I was working on the album. And it turned into a full album. And that was the Rumspring album. And I said, okay, what can I do to make myself stand out amongst these really great MCs that are just in New York? We wasn't worried about anybody else. What can I do to make myself stand out amongst these people? And Deep of Two Hungry Bros and Ben Boogs of Two Hungry Bros, they, there was a suggestion that some other people, I wanted them to shoot video. They was like working on some films and they, they brought it to my attention or they brought it to our attention about doing this shit called Kung Fu Bum and they brought it up to us and I was like, I'm 100% for it. Like, like my thing was, if you asked me to do something right now and he was like, yo, I got this crazy film about a guy who makes glass and candles and if you had a good enough story, I'm totally down for it. Like, just, just fucking do it. Like, let's not even think about it. And we did that and we got Kung Fu Bum. Man, it was so cool. <clears throat> I really appreciated it, even especially the flip where you flip around the pull. That was that was really fun. But you saw that 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 was a thing. But so the thing was that, that is it was a short movie. Like yeah. what you saw was a clip that we did. Oh. Like so they, they so what you saw was a there's a full movie. There's like a thirty minute movie. I could not. I uh, looked everywhere for Ask Flacco if that was the whole thing, and he was like, "I'm going to download I it." It was the whole thing. That's I all didn't I got. No, oh my word! So there's more of that because. So, so what happened was we, so the, the, the guys who were doing, they were doing a short film and they liked the energy and it was like, yo, you want to do this short film? It's called a 24 hour film. So they call you right today. They'll be like, yo, you want to shoot a movie behind you? You have to have a pyramid, uh, a fucking couple paintings, some Louis Vuitton shit or whatever the fuck that shit is behind you. Guess I don't know what the fuck that shit is. And yeah. I mean, well, mine is my logo, but it's the Louis Vuitton essentially. Right. Yeah, so whatever the fuck it is, right? You, they, like, they might be like, we want to see you holding a bottle of liquor. No matter what it is, you have 24 hours to shoot the film. So they say, I want you to hold a candle. I want you to hold a fucking dragon or a fucking dinosaur. You have to incorporate that in the film. So we had 24 hours to shoot the film. We shot the shit. It was edited. We submitted it. We wound up winning a whole bunch of awards. These guys are phenomenal. They're called Deviant Children, fucking Chopsy Graffiti, 
fucking 200 bros. They were they're the fucking architects of this shit. I just happened to be a player in it. And I was happy to do that shit. So when that happens, the accolades start going up. And as the accolades start going up, we drop the Rumspringer album. And that takes us to another level. So now Rumspringer is just like some wild man called the Wild Man Chronicles. It's like, I, we also had a movie that we was working on called the Wild Man Chronicles that was supposed to come out, but it didn't come out. But either way, we put music out that reflected the energy of me at that time. I was going through a frustration of not dealing with my group anymore and I had to be solo and I had to rely on myself and and I had a whole bunch of other energy. And then from there, we go into the next thing where we move into Ticket to Elsewhere and all that other stuff. Yeah, Ticket to Elsewhere is a wonderful project. Like, just for real. But how, how, how did you... Okay, I wanted to know who who made the the beats. Was it all the the guy that you mentioned on the first track that made the beats for that project? Because we we were oh, really which one? For, t- take me to elsewhere. I think take it to elsewhere. Take it. Yeah. So for that album, you mentioned somebody's name that seems to be the producer on Opulence, and then the rest of the album plays through. And unfortunately, without finding it, I couldn't see credits. So we were curious who produced that because you know, everything on that album's production is is like. It's beyond stellar. So uh, right now what I'm at, uh, so I got signed to Priority Records for a quick second, right? And I had this beautiful idea. Let me see how this moves. I got to check how this moves, all right? This is, for you guys, what is this right here? If I point this way, is that west or east for you guys? I mean, that will, I mean, that's your <laughs> no, what's, side. What's it for you. Uh, I see, that's your, on. I, I think to... of it as your right hand, no? Is it no, west it or east? West or east? I'm trying to think for a second. It is west. <laughs> no, hold on. It's east. It's east. Okay. So, boom. So, for me, right, I have a north, south, east, oh, no. and west. Yeah, that's west. Yeah. Oh, then okay. it's west. So then that's west. Copy. Okay, I got all okay, backed cool. up. I don't know why. So I, I, have have that. So I have these these four EPs, right? I have this. I have this beautiful thing. I have this... I'm big into art right now. Like my my new thing is a an older adult. I'm collecting art and I'm like art that's gonna appreciate and value. I have an east, west, north, and south album that reflects that region to open me up to those regions. So the ticket to elsewhere was my West album, but also the person who made the album, he's from Canada actually. His name is Maxwell Benson. And Maxwell Benson traveled the world he's an ill photographer he traveled like shooting like some crazy stuff all around the world from movies to pictures to you know uh just you know documentary type stuff and he had this idea because he heard the drum and bass shit like that i i would say that people call drill it's a little different now but the drum and bass energy he brought to the table and now i know it was west coast because he lived on the west coast but it wasn't really west coast but it felt cool to do something different. So Ticket to Elsewhere was a 180 of who I am as an artist. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to have a West Coast, East Coast, North, South, and within each album that you buy, there's like a puzzle piece in it that might be that piece of art behind me or the other piece of art behind me, and you have to figure out what it is, and it's a puzzle piece. And once you figure it out... Yeah, remember this promotion. This was incredible. Once you figure it out, you would get a fifth album. You but you would only get the fifth album. And the funny, crazy thing is, once I stopped dealing with Priority Records, 
I haven't re-uploaded my music. And now, during this NFT thing, it might be a beautiful thing. Yeah, nah, it definitely is. I think I got something. So now the other, the other four, so I had I have a total of five albums. It's called Bone Retorto. You know, when, when you go on a voyage, you go Bone Voyage, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, I'm going to say Great Return. So the Bone Voyage means mm-hmm. Great Voyage. Bon Retour means great return. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do the fucking West Coast, East Coast, North and South, and then I'm going to give you a fifth one. And they're going to form a puzzle. And once it forms that puzzle, and you figure that shit out, you're going to get a whole bunch of other different things. That's what I'm working on. Yeah, I, mean. I hate to tell it to everybody because I feel like somebody's going to fucking bite it as soon as I said it. But I don't mind. I feel like it's like one of those things where there's probably other people working on similar ideas to be real, but that is so fucking cool. Plus, it's already on the net. You've already put that out into the world. I was and besides, to something on top about of that, that before. it's one of those things where like most people that would you want to and copy couldn't, it don't couldn't even do understand you. the amount of work mm. that goes into it. But it's more than so, that. Your puzzle is going to be something I personally want to try. Whereas I don't think just because somebody does a puzzle, it's cool. Like, I heard your music. I've heard you talk. I see the depth in what you bring to the table. It's not some, like, exclusive shit, really. You're either going to get it or you don't. And then the people that want to do it are going to come do it. So even if a 100 other people take that same idea. Firstly, I don't know that they could make puzzles as cool as you. I really think you'd be good at that, to be honest. I mean, you thought this whole campaign up, which is, like, the fucking smartest shit ever. But, like... Uh, I just, I don't know, like, I could see how a label would just blunder it, and it would be like, they'd have, like, a problem where, like, everybody figures it out, and then it's not cool, whereas I feel like your well, puzzle that's is going to be hard. But that's or, why, that's why, that's why I, 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 I'm no longer a priority, like, I, I, I didn't, like, at, at first I was, like, really gung-ho thinking that it would be great <laughs> to have a, a label behind me, so not having a label behind me makes me... Like I, I thought, like yo, it validated me, and then after I, fi- I figured out that it didn't validate me because everything I was doing, I was doing on my own. I figured out I just got to figure out a bigger machine on how to do it on my own, because they were a beautiful group. Like like they 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 nurtured me. They gave me some good and in- like advice, but they I don't even know how to put it. Like I just realized that everything that was being done for me, I could do on my own. Everything that they were asking of me, I could have done on my own. And like, that's why I got to re-upload it. But I'm like, do I re-upload it on streaming services, which pays us like fucking disgusting pennies on a dime? Not even a penny on a dime. It's like, like I don't even know how you can go a thousandth of a penny. Like, But they, they're giving us like hundreds of a penny on a dime, on, on a penny, rather. Not even on a dime, but a penny on a penny. And God, that's how I'm waxing it. Like, these guys are not paying us anything. Fuck these motherfuckers. We got to deal with them, and they're not giving us any money, and they're making billions of dollars on us. Why the fuck do we have to care about them? And now we have found a new way to not care about them. Yeah. They're going to find a way to destroy that, but in the meantime, we can make some money off of it. All I care about is doing my shows, touring, and doing what the fuck I got to do to bring my energy to the people. Right. If they don't understand that, if they if, if a label won't be able to understand that, I don't want them. 
I definitely think it's a time where you can bypass labels if you have the kind of spirit you bring to the table. Yeah. You're willing to do the work though. And that's the yeah, I don't thing. think I don't think labels are like like at all necessary anymore. Like it's a it's a like it's it's a necessity for like artists that want to be um doing a certain amount of numbers and hitting a certain plateaus of of legions of fans um a, a label's not really necessary outside of that you know you need the machine for those things but you get those you get those legions of fans right but at what cost mm. what, at what cost <laughs> they give you a million dollars but out of that million dollars you might if you have, if you're a good person who knows how to budget you might walk away with 350,000 after paying everybody that you have to pay cuz they're going to get paid first and if you know how to handle your, your 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 taxes and all that other stuff, you'll be able to write it off. We can do it ourselves, but we have to be comfortable joining together. I love the movement of the South. I think that the, the way the South move is absolutely insane. How not even insane. It's actually beautiful how mm. they are willing to work together and not uh -huh. crabbing and battle each other. They they don't, they don't want to pull each other down. They actually work together and push each other up. I'm willing to do, like right now during the pandemic, I, like I, I hate that I can't tour right now. Like touring is not my moneymaker because I, I, I got, you know, a business outside of that, but I would love to tour just to give this energy that I'm giving so, to you guys right now you, on a regular level. If I can just ask you on that energy. So I'm pretty sure I saw you worked with Raskas at one point. And Raskas did a show in Alt Space VR last night that was gated. So they had tickets. It was like $10. And people showed up to the virtual reality show and there were ticket sales made. I don't know how it went, but I know that it was last night that it was supposed to happen. And how do you feel about that whole universe? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very uncomfortable with it because I, I need performing. That means that I have to change how I perform. So like like like, Raskas is a fucking legend to me. Like what like I like he's one of those people I studied his lyrics. Like for me to be able to work with him was a was a milestone in my career, and it happened through the person who was you know who who did the production on the beat because I didn't know him prior to that. Like my 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 guy did, Maxwell Benson, and that, that made it work. But when I um was able to sit down with him or talk to him like he, he's always cordial he's always good which is t it teaches me as an artist how to interact with other people so when that the whole digital thing is cool like i if i was to do a digital show i would have to adjust how i perform because i have to worry about the platform of how it conveys through the computer how it conveys through mm. whatever's filming me my live show is totally different i have a my live show is is a different energy like it i i, I respond to the people so for me to have to do a show Digitally, it, it's weird because I have to—I I don't have anything to feed off of. Yeah, definitely no, no, have a of. bunch of little avatars with hands. It's not exactly. Yeah, that. yeah that's, 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 that's not it. I'm not. still going to perform how I'm going to perform. I'm still going to perform like I'm in my rehearsal studio. Yeah, I think I'm gonna perform I think like I understand what you're trying to say mm -hmm. though because I—that's what I always thought about it, which is that like it's 
it's going to be hard to replicate like the genuine energy that you feel inside of a concert, inside of a crowd, a show. Um, you just need that personal interaction. You know, I don't think that it's going to last long. I think that it's going to by the end of the year, we're going to we're going to have some concerts happen. I heard L.A. is opening up already. So that's a good thing. I might try to figure out how to get out there and do some shows. But I, I do believe that. Like right now, my dude Leo Coltrane and uh, and my dude Crew Jones, who did that exclusive that I sent to you guys, they uh, are doing something in New York City. It's called busking, and they are going to like random places, and they're just playing music. As long as you're not amplifying the music, you're gonna be okay. Like if you amplify the music where you have like speakers and microphones, that you might get shut down. But these guys are just going different places and jamming and. It's weird because, you know, I have a rehearsal. I, the rehearsal studio is where I feel comfortable rehearsing my music. But now I get to rehearse in front of some people that I've never met before who are actually paying attention to what I'm doing. It might be 10 to 15, 20, 100 people. doesn't matter what it's going to be. When I'm performing, they're focused on me and I get to feed off of that energy. But if I don't have that energy, no, I I'm okay. If, if there's one person watching me. I'm okay with that one person watching me because I can work out my mistakes and my routine and it would still translate to me in my brain as a show. It's almost like having like a phantom limb and you got to just rub it a couple of times to make you feel like you have it. Like if you lost a limb or something like that. So me performing in front of one person, it makes me more comfortable performing in front of a million people if I'm performing in one person. To me, I equated it the same. I totally get that. Honestly, um, I'm not really sure how I feel about VR performing either. I know that with Twitch, if I, uh, I see the chat moving, I feel that energy like 80% of what it is to be on a stage in front of people. It's not like 100%, but seeing words gives me a sense of like emotional connection to the audience in a way that um, otherwise... You know, I don't, I wouldn't like get from the VR thing. So I, I completely empathize again with what you're saying with that. Like it makes sense to me. I was just curious. I, didn't even, I wish I knew that I knew about the the, 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 the RAS schedule. I would have loved to see it because I love to see how people adapt to the performing arena that we live in. I would love to see that. I would love to see how he would, I, I, is it on YouTube or what is I it? Honestly, I'm at the point where I have to go look it up, but I promise when I figure it out, I'll let you. I'll send it to Flacco, or I can message you on Instagram and send it to you when I find it. Awesome. But uh, yeah, basically, I just know it happened, and I know the platform it happened on uh, because I looked into it a while ago. But uh, it was goofy. I, I did a one. I did an open mic one time, and it was like, it was uh, it was awkward as fuck. That's the best way I can put it. It was it was fucking weird, but it was it was a weird in like a Star Trek cool kind of way. So it wasn't like a bad I was about way. To say that. So like, like I, I think the I think the awkwardness I think the awkwardness is is like, good. It's, it's another way to put the artist on his toes. Because where I can't I'm see a, the people, you actually see these little avatars and these little emojis kind of popping. Sorry, Dama is, is is saying in the chat like now nah, the EO Zoom. EOW Zoom is the closest you get to that because you get to see 30 people mm. in a gallery view bobbing their head and reacting. Yeah. You That's see the them thing, up close. Is the... You're not looking at yourself and reading. You see reactions mm. in real time. I love Which it. Which I, I agree with. with. We get that on the Zoom, and I feel that as well. But I, I, what I remember from the VR performance is the avatars were bopping. And you could, they, it's not like 
Like, it's going to take a bit of mental gymnastics to translate that shit into crowd reaction, but I think there's ways to get the feedback. Not necessarily the same thing, but that's what I took from the experience. So I'm very curious as well. That's why I was curious if you were into it. So when I find out what more happening, but I know this one dude is effectively popping onto all the VR apps to learn how to perform in them. And I thought that was like super well, I, cool. I, I don't think we have, we're going to... I do believe in, in this world. I do believe in this world that, you know, George Carlin type of thoughts that whatever we're going through right now, we're going to get through. But I do believe that we have to deal with the virtual world because there's a lot of people who don't want to come out. So we're going to have to be able to perform for that. And I'm going to have to adjust my performance style for that. But my performance style is for the stage. Like I, this, I'm a, I'm a performer. Like you, you have, I, I don't, I, I don't know if you found anything online where you was able to see like my performances, but I have pure energy on stage and I want to be able to, to relate that to the people who are watching. And so I have to figure out a way to do that. And I think I have another way. And I got a feeling that things are going to open up again once I said, as I said earlier, that we're going to get to there. And I want to bring that to a forefront of how to be able to perform live while knowing that other people are probably watching me remotely. I don't, damn, that, that's a lot, for, that's a, that's a Yo, lot of extra work for me to deal with. It's very stressing. I mean, yeah, I'll be, I, I went through this whole process of migrating to live. I wasn't doing this live at first. And then it was very, it, it, it's strange, but, um, I don't know. I'm watching you in real time puzzle it out. It's so cool. Like, it's so cool to watch your brain work in real time like that. I'm not going to lie. Like, you're just like trying to like process all the variables and you're like, nah, this is what it's going to be. But then you're like thinking it through, like you could figure it out. That is so cool to see happen. Well, the thing is, is like if, if I, I, when I watch people have, have interviews or they speak with other people, if they're not working it out as they're talking and they have a finite view to me, in my opinion, it's wrong. Like, like you should be constantly thinking of what can happen next. You, I'm always looking at a step and a step ahead, but at the same time, I'm trying to remain present. If that makes sense, like, like I'm a thousand steps ahead, and I'm still trying to still be here. I know what album I'm going to put out next. I know what thing I want to talk about next. I want. I know what thing I want to project to the people, but at the same time, I still want to remain present and still be able to enjoy what I'm going through. You know. Which is what I'm happen what's happening right now. I'm enjoying this moment. You sound like one of the most balanced people I've talked to in a, like in a long time. It's just like <laughs> level. I wish my mama told me that. Wow. Hold <laughs> <laughs> um, Hit me up if you want any input because I've been tweaking the Zoom shit and I think someone like you can. I don't see the rest of the chat because really know. excel just as well in the virtual space. It's all about the light and lack of sound delay. That part is the major thing, sound delay. I was I was looking at something on YouTube about how oh they can um like they they they're, they're fine tuning how you can actually have a talk with somebody and there's no delay. That delay is what causes the problem. And if you that if it's if it's a millisecond, if you can break it down to the billionth of a second, it'll make it a lot better. Dog, you you're right. I, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, because I don't know, like, let's say you were on Twitch and you were doing gains time on Twitch, whatever you thought you would do. I'd probably watch that. I'd, I'd probably, like, be right there soaking up whatever you were doing because you'd do something um, nifty. 
I do believe that I'm a nifty human being. I do believe that, that I'm a work in progress. I do believe I'm not perfect. I do believe I make mistakes. I do believe that I'm all about pushing the culture forward and making sure that my children and the children after them are better off than I am. I'm always thinking about, like, I'm always thinking about how we can make this stuff a little bit better. You know what I mean? Like, like, like the fact that you guys actually invited me to do this, I'm, I'm humbled. I didn't even think anybody wanted to hear from me. And the fact that, you know, you guys actually wanted to talk to me, that makes me feel good. Because I haven't been putting out any music in a while. I've been focused on other things, making sure that I can take care of the family, especially during this pandemic, pandemic, uh, pandemonium time. I, I didn't think that anybody cared about what I had to say, and I appreciate it. Well, like, to me, it's just like, wow. Like, I feel humbled that you're sharing so much of yourself with us. It's more my feeling on this situation. Like, I'll tell you something right now. You motherfuckers got more than anybody got out of it. Like, and I like that. And it's because I have such a beautiful relationship with this human being, Facts. a.k.a. motherfucking Flacco Dutchie. I like Facts. that. I'm going to keep that Flacco Dutchie. That's a good one. <laughs> New one. New one. Another one. Another one. Flacco Dutchie. Nah, but Another one. Flacco Dutchie. I just, I'm with it. I like it. I'm just like humbled, like listening to the way you react to things and, and just your whole life. Like, your energy is proper, like on that. Yeah, no, man. And your thing fantastic. is, is I haven't met you in life, but I can still kind of feel it through the Zoom. And that's that's kind of yeah. weird, no? Yeah, I mean, I, no, it's not. To me, it's not. I think that we're actually having, a, I think we're actually having what some people would call an actual conversation. It's not like there's no. I'm not tethered to anything and I'm not uh, bothered by how you would judge me. Like I'm comfortable talking to whoever I'm speaking to at this time. And right now, because I I got a good feeling it's because I'm dealing with fucking Flacco Vega. You know what I'm saying? Like a new name, Flacco Vega. So like, (laughs) that's why that this is this is family to me. Like, like we grew up together. Like we, we, we cut our teeth together in this world. So, He's a good yeah. human being, and I'm comfortable speaking with him. And I, I tell you this: outside of this, you'll you'll get my number. You'll get my. You you more than welcome to talk to me about anything and anything that's on your mind. I'll walk you through whatever I understand about the hip hop culture. I'm not an expert on it. I, I'm I'm kind of up there, but I don't think that I know everything. There's still a lot for me to learn, and I'm I'm 100. percent appreciative that you chose to have me to be on this i'm just a person that is grateful that you'd bother to talk like from, from my perspective it's more like i come from montreal right like we like almost say, how you say montreal again how you, how you say, so it, I say it like so montreal montreal is how i would say it and then the other way i said it was the french way so both things are real so montreal I don't know. I don't even know if I'm saying it right now because I don't know how other people say it here. <laughs> yo, I'm pretty sure I'm saying it right now. Because, like, yo, we would go like Montreal in like some slang shit. Like Montreal is something that people would say. So I think it's Montreal. Montreal. Okay, cool. Yeah, that would be like the right way. That's the English way. And then, um, yeah, so growing up here, it's like, you know, New York's like the mythical mecca of fucking hip hop. Like that's the, the, it's almost, I've never been to New York City. Like I've never the the farthest I've gone south is like uh, in this continent is Plattsburgh, 
So that's as far into New York I got. That like border town that has the stores for Canadians to come across and buy some cheap shit and some Slim Jims, which aren't really sold here. Um, I'll mail you some, yo. I, I, I'm gonna mail you some. Yeah, hold up, hold up, hold up. Okay, we gotta get back to this. Dama, what the fuck are you doing? Dama, this is shit on camera all the time. It's the it's it's a distraction. Be like, she be getting she be getting dressed to like go out, or she be like cooking. Dama yeah. like it's like sometimes she be cooking. Sometimes she be cooking with the music, literally. She ain't cooking, yo. She's she about to go wild. Like, that's a that, that's date. Us, that's date looks right there. Yo. She has us on the on the on the on the cam and muted. And she'll be like, I want to hear you, dog. Y'all was about to get ready for a date. Huh? You about to get ready for a date. I'm always, it's always a date. It's always a date when I'm around. That's what I'm talking about. How you been? I've been good, man. I've been chilling. You know, I'm kicking it out here. Okay. About to go to the, in a couple, in next Friday. And then going to Puerto Rico after that. Fine Wait, when are you going to be in Puerto Rico? Uh, the 21st. Oh, you get there the day that I leave. Or you, you get there the day after I leave. Really? Yeah, I'm there the 15th to the 20th. Yeah, that's crazy. We should have planned this. Yeah, first of my- all, I think you need to call them and extend your day. Yo. Yeah, I got to see each other. Yo. That'd be beautiful. Yeah, that would be sick. This. You're going to be like this. I'm going to be like this all up in your Zooms. Yeah, I'm going to be like doing deodorant, brushing my teeth and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like clicking my nose like, yo, fixing my ears. <laughs> yeah, but that's the charm of it all. Seriously? No, 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 Dama, get back on. Don't even try to, don't even try to go back to that other stuff. No, but that's the charm <laughs> of this shit, man. Honestly, like, yo, the Zoom, the end of the week Zoom is a very inspirational thing for me. Like, I never got to experience end of the week in New York. In the, like, I've never yo, been in a city. I've never been to a pyramid club. Yo. You but, would go there and you would, see the, the, like, you would see the greatest human beings. The people that we all looked up to as hip-hop people. You would see KRS-One. You would see Ice-T. That's the, some of the people that I was like, I, I think LL might have came through one time. Like, I would experience some of the greatest things. I would be on that stage and they would, they would call me up as if I was one of the upper echelon people like they was like yo gains come on up and like do something i would spit a verse and i was like not prepared and i freestyle and then the freestyle would still do good enough and then it was beautiful moments i like i loved every moment of it these and then fucking the pyramid what the fuck is going on yeah yeah yo, you they, seen they, that they, sign getting taken down how sad was that the pyramid yeah, is yo. done yo the pyramid yeah, where yeah. like where where, where where it was where it was started from that, that was like I'm more saying, than that was how many years it. 15 years they were there how do we buy it though like what do we do are we collectively putting together like what are we gonna do i say like- between all of us and all of the businesses that we all own and llc's and all the business loans that we're uh, eligible for as uh you know because when you have an llc you're more eligible for for bigger loans you know what i'm saying i think there's enough of us in eow that have that that can actually make it happen you know what i'm saying like i feel like it's actually possible we just need enough of us to actually want to do that and then we'll all be like uh owners co-owners of i don't even i'm talking like i'm like 100 percent able to do this like i it just totally depends on what my business credit is going to look like but 
Um, I think it's something that's actually possible. I think it would be the greatest thing ever if the people of EO Dub could buy the pyramid and just rename it EO Dub. Yeah. I mean, who, who's willing to invest in it? Shall we start a, a, a GoFundMe? I think that'll... Oh, I didn't even think about that. Ooh. I've never been thinking I about think GoFundMe. I GoFundMe is an amazing proof of concept to get in our interest, right? Because if the GoFundMe does something, then everybody's going to look at that and be like, okay, maybe there's something here and be more willing to go. We would need somebody to go down there and talk. We got we got to get somebody down there and talk. We got to get somebody to go down there and talk to the guy that, that like... Julio, yeah. right? Julio's yeah, already down there. Yeah, Julio's down there. He's the one who showed me what it looked like Julio, on a virtual work. tour. Send Julio down there to talk. Send Julio down there to talk! Send <laughs> Julio down there to talk! <laughs> down there, down oh, down that's there serious. Talk. I didn't know that happened. Yeah, man. Are y'all still streaming? We are still I streaming, yeah. got a little yeah. bit of ducats. I'll put it in my fault. Yeah, we are. We are still... You know what's funny? Yeah. This is the perfect ending to a beautiful interview. I, I like this. This was like one of the most in-depth interviews I've ever had. I'm grateful I that feel like you I said can, that. I, can, I feel like I can take this and use it for my um, my EPK or some shit like that. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. super fucking cool that you would even say that. Like To me, that's like that's awesome that you'd say that. I don't know. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, but hold on, hold on. I just <laughs> want to tell Dama, stop selling my DJ, yo. That's my guy. Yo, first of all, I've been giving back to you, okay? That's your guy. <laughs> that's I your guy. DJ my damn self. Yeah, I know. I love you. Uh, he's, you cool, he's cool as fuck, man. Uh, uh, Decane. He, I, I took him for a hot minute. Like I met him what, in twenty sixteen. I took him for like a solid two years. I know you believe that, but you know, I still. He was always. He was always here. He was I know. Like he, was, he was cheating. He's like I'm moonlighting with her, and I'm yeah, I was yeah. like, you know what? That's a cool person. You can moonlight with her as much as you want. That's cool. <laughs> I was like, you're just watching her. She, she, she have you doing some weird shit. You're just a cool. Moonlighting cool. at the Dominils Foundation. And she have you dressed up in like glowing in dark like clothes in the middle of the night. Like you just, you know, that's for sure. Yo, does. the things that we was doing was crazy. <laughs> crazy times. Yo, I am so proud of you, and I love the new the new journey that you on. I love it. I love love, love watching the progression. And I love it. I love the last single that you put out. It's beautiful. Yo, I'm proud of you, bro. And and uh, whatever I can do to promote it, I will always do it. Thank you, bro. I really appreciate that, man. For real. And I love I love everything you do, man. So please keep me posted on everything you put out, cause right. you know what I'm saying. Like you're 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 one of my favorite artists, uh, especially artist friends. You know what I'm saying. Like that's facts. Love you. Love you too, man. All right. This was dope. Dope interview. See you. I appreciate everything about you coming through and, and doing this with us, Gaines. Just to like wrap it up for the sake of the video. Thank you all for watching, everyone. Because you know, all the people that were with us, that's amazing. Because there Yo, are people who stuck it through this Thank whole time. Same people commenting the whole time watching it through to me. That's also the most incredible thing. Is um shouts shouts to everybody in the Twitch. Yeah, shout out to everyone watching, and um, yeah, definitely make sure to follow end of the week to subscribe to the YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash, yeah, I think it's EOWTV. Vice versus forever on Instagram. And yeah, definitely thank you all for coming through, and on that note, um, definitely going to make sure to hit up the raid, and we're going to get that started, and then, uh, yeah, thank everyone for that. Oh, and so you there? Yo. Somebody tell Poison Penny still owe me some Jameson, yo. Even though yo. I drink this now. Yo, I'm